Hello everyone and welcome to This Nintendo Life episode 206. My name is NBZ and uh, I'm very happy, Bali. I'm very, very happy. I almost cannot believe that we are here. Uh, it has been my hope and dream for years and years that we'd finally get a new 2D Metroid. And there is one. One exists. I held it in my hands. I played it. We're going to talk about it. It's incredible. Um, how are you feeling, Bali? You inhaled it and now I have to wait another 20 years. Exactly, yeah. So I just did it in two days, and uh, now I'm going to have to wait uh, even longer. But uh, yes, Bali, I'm joined by, as always, how are you doing, Bali? I'm doing very well. I, I'm you know, I'm bogged down in games, but it's kind of feeling more manageable for some reason. I don't quite know why. I think it's just because you're enjoying what you're playing, you know? And that's, that's a good thing, you a know? Um, it's Yeah, the last like month or so, I've just like loved everything I've played, which is a great thing to have happen. It's, uh, you know, it's a good time for everything video games related, and uh, I'm having having a blast playing yeah. through stuff. So, yeah. It's, all the, uh, it's all these well. um, podcasts I'm listening to, they're wasting their time on Far Cry right now. It's like, what are exactly. you doing? What yeah, are you come doing? Come on, man. <laughs> you got hours and hours that you could have dumped into literally anything else. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Um, that's how things go so yeah we're here to talk about the video games and the stuff we've been doing and uh yeah i'm, I'm excited to get into it so bali without further ado what is the uh, the show going to contain today uh for the first segment we're going to talk about the games that we have been playing for the second segment we've got some of your emails and then for the third segment a little character called sora was announced for oh. smash brothers ultimate so we're going to talk about that and the end of ultimate never heard of him before a little little lad with some anime hairs just uh, mm. you know just some random dude that people seem to enjoy so yes uh, we'll be chatting about that and we've also got a little patreon survey at the moment we do, do. yes that? So yeah, uh, we have a survey that we've just put out to our patrons. So if you are a patron, um, we put that out just to gauge a little bit of uh, how things are going with that since we made some changes last year. And so yeah, we've got that link to the post in the description. Uh, so if you have not checked that out yet, it'd be great if uh, if you are a patron, then uh, go ahead and take the survey and let us know what you think. Uh, and yeah, you can just uh, access it from the description of the video or from the podcast uh, description, wherever you are listening to this. So that would be appreciated. So uh, there you go. Uh, but without further ado, Bally, I think it's time to get into the video game, uh, the one that we have to talk about. It's been years and years in the waiting. Metroid motherfucking Dread. Now, you know, me, as someone on this show, if you've listened for a long time, you probably know that Metroid Fusion, one of my favorite games of all time. I don't shut up about it. Uh, I, I love it dearly. Uh, you know, I remember playing it back when I was, what, 10 maybe uh we were doing a school play and our friend charlie had a gba there and we were like in the kind of younger years and so like weren't very um kind of important in terms of <laughs> the role in the play that we'd play a side part yeah side part um and you know we were sitting there and you know in the changing room where everyone was like in their costumes or whatever and we were basically not never on stage so a lot of the time we're just sitting around doing nothing and uh, charlie had uh, his gba and he was playing it and he had a game called metroid fusion and i remember the first time i saw it and i was like wow this looks cool i want to play this uh, and so i got my parents to buy it for me and then both of us were sitting there playing on our gba's playing metroid fusion and i remember getting to the first boss and being just so bad at it just so terrible and handing it to him and being like can you beat this for me and so he beat it for me uh, so i didn't actually beat the first boss my first time through fusion because uh, i was just so bad at video games back then so how long until you actually beat that first boss and then the rest of the game 
I mean, the rest of the game, I think it took me a really long time, at least three or four years. I remember the moment I beat Fusion, I was sitting in a car and we were on the way to my grandparents. MBZ in 2021 and... beats nine games in September. MBZ uh-huh. in 2000 and what? Four-ish, yeah. Four, sorry, just like takes three years to beat a game. Yeah, I I know, yeah. It's just because I was so terrible and I didn't know where to go or what to do or how to defeat those bosses. And then obviously Philip from Germany, the exchange student, came over and he helped me beat the spider boss. And yeah, I had a real long saga with Fusion. I played it in Dubai when I was in the underwater section. Like sections of the game like matched to like sections of my life for those three, four years. (laughs) And so it really had a strong tie to me. And I did eventually finish it and then... I went for the 100%, did all the shine sparking puzzles. I have strong memories of like watching Dragon's Den as I'm trying to do shine sparking puzzles that are really fucking hard. And um, and yeah, I just have really strong nostalgic memories with Metroid Fusion. And obviously since then, I've played the game through hundreds of times and just, you know, beat it a ton. Um, it's probably the game I've played the most. I want to say I've probably beaten Fusion 10 to 12 times in my life. Um, it's, it's a game that I just really sink into and I'm very easily able to just go through like the back of my hand so um as we were kind of chatting before uh, i don't have a very good bar to judge like how difficult fusion is because i know it so well that it doesn't present me with literally any challenge anymore so it's hard for me to decide of like how how hard is dread versus fusion versus samus returns it's a little bit tricky but um anyway all that to say is that like through the entire history of this podcast every year i predicted a new 2d metroid because i want it so badly if, if you were to ask me throughout you know any time leading up to this what is the most the number one thing you want from nintendo a new 2d metroid is the top of that list for me um and so it was just you can go back and watch my reaction from e3 when they announced it but i lost my fucking mind because not only was it a new 2d metroid they brought back the name dread a name that was a code name for a ds metroid that they were supposedly working on which was the sequel to fusion all the way back in like 2005 2006 um and so like years and years i remember when liam robertson came on the show and like i was talking to him about like old games of, of like unreal release stuff like what would you want to see come back and i would i was like i want to know what happened to metroid dread that was my number one thing what what happened to it and it turns out they never went away kind of like sakamoto always wanted to make it and and now we're at this point where they worked with mercury steam they worked on samus returns and then they gave them the license what was he doing in all that time in between though that's why i want to know i don't know i mean he made other m uh you know True. in the mid 2000s okay. uh or the t- 2010s i guess uh and then i can't remember what else he was working on but yeah it's um He's certainly been looking for a studio to help make this project a reality. And so I couldn't quite believe it when I was holding that in my hand and I was putting it in my Switch. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, it has been so, so long since a brand new Metroid experience has come out. And so obviously a lot of expectation on this game. The reviews were very good, which which kind of um, made me happy. And I was I was pleased to and, and excited to jump in. But you know, it's always that trepidation, right? Especially with a series that I am this invested in, like, and I have such like specific things i want from it and like like about it um and i'm here to tell you that metroid dread not only met my expectations it surpassed them and i think it's probably the best metroid game ever made um it's it's gonna take a while for me to like step back from it i think and think like okay really do i like this more than fusion or whatever but you gotta like, try out that prime trilogy as well you know so yeah sure i mean there, you know? I, I always <laughs> kind of like that's a separate like branch of the entire metroid <laughs> it's very uh, different saga. can't deny that yes it's very different but like um i yeah i have such a nostalgic tie to fusion so it's hard for me to like disconnect myself from it and i just know it inside out and just it feels good to just run through and do but like man metroid dread makes a case uh for being the best one and uh 
let's talk about it. Bali, I'm really interested to hear mm. your thoughts because obviously you've come to Metroid a little bit later than me and obviously you... I've... I... Yeah, I didn't... Before the podcast started, I hadn't played a single Metroid game. Um, yes. It was actually... I played... You always know the order better than me. Ever said, but like, you played I, Fusion first because it was part of the Ambassador program right. on uh, on 3DS. I think I went Fusion, then Super, then Prime, then yeah, maybe Prime was before Super. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. and then I played um, the, the Zero Mission a bit Z- later. We did Zero Mission for Backlog Club, um, yeah, and obviously Samus Returns came out, and we played that contemporaneously yeah. when it came out. And you played Prime Two in there somewhere as well. Played Prime Two and sort of started Prime Three, um, but like I. I definitely kind of obviously lean more towards the 3D ones, but I do love the 2D ones. And the thing about the 2D ones I've played is that there's n- there's not one that kind of stands out to me. It's like, this is definitely the best. I think they've all got their ups and some of them have some some negative aspects, but they're all like much of a muchness in terms of quality for me. I think they're, I mean, Super Metroid has aged in some ways for sure, but then it's kind of its highs really surpass some of the highs of the other ones it just has like impeccable world design super mm, Metroid impeccable, like the, yeah. the interconnected interconnected way in which the areas work and the backtracking and the exploration is like second to none it's just control wise is aged pretty poorly in my opinion like samus is a little too floaty the switching between missiles and, and bombs and stuff is just mm. it's a little frustrating in a way that i don't enjoy as much like if they were to remake super metroid in say the zero mission or fusion engine i think that might be a case for me for being the best one potentially right, right. but you know um it's hard to say right? I, but i think from what i've played so far and i'm maybe like 40 to 50 percent through the game um yeah i think this is probably going to take take the crown for like the best yeah. 2d metroid because it's doing everything and you were a pretty big fan of samus returns right so Mac- mercury steen's last game i really loved samus returns i i just thought it was ever so there were a couple of bosses in there that were just too brutal and when you were yes. given only a 3ds circle pad to beat these things it just felt a bit like bruising to be honest and but yeah. otherwise i really loved how kind of that game was quite semi-linear in a similar way to this game i find where yeah fusion's quite linear as well obviously but like i'd argue this one's maybe slightly less linear in a good way it's definitely more open the yeah. game lets you go wherever you want it doesn't stop you from going back to previous areas it's i i've definitely found um that if i did wander off the beaten path and i wanted to go back to areas it would just take a while and sometimes you'd come up against like oh this is a one-way door and i can't really find an easy way back through here and by the time you get there maybe you don't have the right power up to get what you need and like you can benefit from it you can find some missiles and some energy tanks and those types of things but my recommendation probably would be for the most part stick to where you're going explore as much as you can around and stick to the path and try and find as much on near to that path as possible which is what more or less what i've been doing where i'm like right i see that i see that power i'm gonna do everything within my power and the abilities i've got right now to attempt to get it and if i can't so be it and then move on and but the thing that out the gate just felt so good about this game more than any other 2d metroid genuinely is the the movement it's 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 incredible it's it's unbelievable and everyone saw the movement at e3 and thought wow they've now got the slide with samus and there's all and like but when you're actually doing it it feels amazing and that first area where there's a lot of sliding around and the first time you fight that boss that everyone's seen at e3 i don't want to really talk about other bosses um yeah 
movement is key and like it feels so good and i've been playing it's interesting one of the tooltips tells you no attack is unavoidable right like they they've designed it especially with mm. those boss fights so well the that... tip system is really good i think actually and and the the dialogue with adam in between i think has been really yeah. helpful both from a perspective of like lore drops but also um someone who's new to metroid can pick up this game and it like adam will be very clear about what you need to do and where you need to go but not so clear to a point where there's no challenge it's still like on not it's still kind of like vague as to where you're meant to go but it's kind of clear what you need to do i guess so it's that it's a good balance i think which is it's tough so far but it's very fair and isn't as brutal as uh samus returns which is kind of what i was hoping yeah that was that was the thing that made me interested because a lot of the reviews were talking about how hard the game is and i questioned how many people had played samus returns yeah, I, who were I doubt kind it, of yeah. in the press and I, I i think that from my perspective having finished the game and done 100 percent, and literally i we can talk about the map and the pixel stuff on the map but also yes i filled in every fucking square on like every tiny little <laughs> pixel on that map uh the entire fucking thing um and there is one there's in fact one pixel that is currently impossible to get because it's in a little morph ball shooty um pipe that you don't get control over and so it just goes past this one pixel that you actually can't that it's a bug basically in the game and they need to patch it so that i can get super f- full 100 percent. but anyway um uh what was i talking about um i i don't know i, I was going i was trying to like get to a point and now it's, it's completely gone that you collected everything in a very short space of time or something yeah uh yeah uh, anyway um yeah so so i think that the the way that the narrative is told through adam is is interesting and it's like small little tidbits but in terms of where you're going and and your freedom within that space um there are certainly points of being able to not know what exactly you need to do and there's one in particular where you go from the first area to the second area where Mm. you get there and you're like well these are blocks that i can't get past yet there doesn't seem to be a way for me to progress do i go back to the previous area even though i've just opened up this area yeah which is what i did i ran around for like 20 minutes like oh i can't go here i can't go here and i literally just like like a tick box i can't get through here i can't get through here and i was like where do i go <laughs> yeah and it turns out there's just invisible blocks that you just need to shoot yeah. um and it will, you'll break through and yes and that is very much like um a thing that happened in fusion as well like there's there are and it's interesting having played through the whole thing and, and seen all the beats there are definitely like parallels to all the moments in fusion like for example the first boss uh it has these two grips on the side these kind of like magnetic you've seen them in the trailers of the blue stuff that you can attach to and you get that power relatively early on and the first boss of metroid fusion it has two grip ledges uh on the sides where it shoots out fire and you have to avoid the fire by hanging on the grips and this boss shoots out poison you have to hang on the grips uh, as it shoots out the poison so that is that parallel is also one of the first things you do in fusion is is go and take all these generators offline and you're kind of rerouting this power and the similar thing happens in the second area of this game where you're going around and rerouting all this fire to different places through these pipes and following them through and the the way that that actually leads you environmentally around the space is really cool like those pipes on fire like are almost navigationally helping you understand the space um in a kind of environmental sense that you don't need a marker on the map to do so you're just kind of following that as as your kind of waypoint which is a really smart and clever design choice i I thought it was so cool uh, the way they handled that but um but yeah i mean i guess the point on controls is just it feels like butter there is a smoothness and a silkiness to mm. the way the speed of samus's base speed but also the way in which she moves from sliding to running 
and the ability to use the melee mid-run as opposed to in Samus Returns where I think my biggest problem with that game to begin with was you had to stand still as enemies came towards you and it just slowed down the pace so much it felt like you were just like inching forward because just killing enemies took so many shots without using the melee it almost forced you to use it and that's far less the case here which means you don't necessarily have to rely on the melee but also you can use it mid-jump you can use it as you're running you can be sliding and use it and she has a custom animation where her leg flips up and and melees the enemy like there are so many tiny little touches to every animation that she does from like moving next to a wall where she's like holding her arm against it to moving to a space where you could go through a morph ball and her arm is like above to like the way that she just moves her cannon around her body as you aim it in 360 degrees just the dedication to every subtle little movement is impeccable um and it just makes the game feel so much nicer as a result there's just a sheer fluidity to the way that samus controls that is is above anything the series has done up to this point Mm -hmm. um and i just think it's fantastic like little touches of every time you open a door just the sound and like the way that the the bullet sound your kind of laser beams that they shoot out of your arm cannon is it just gets all the little details right which makes the experience feel that much richer as a result so so yeah i i just think it's it's an exceptionally fun game to play you know like there's there's a sense of like and i've heard multiple people talk about this already like i was watching a bit of dan reichert stream it i watched arlo's first impression videos and they both did the thing of like they're just like in a save room and they're just jumping and shooting in a save room with nothing going on you're just moving around and jumping and shooting and big like the idea that that's something that on its own is so fundamentally enjoyable is testament to how successful this game is um Mm. in that sense so I think yeah. this, I'm, you're, you've obviously beaten it and I'm halfway through, but the story so far is really good. And like, yeah. I wasn't really expecting it. I mean, I've really enjoyed the stories of a game like Metroid Prime. I thought the story in like Fusion was very good, but like, it's not kind of the thing that stands out in the series. And actually the first, the opening cinematic is actually really interesting. And I just hit a big story beat and it was like, oh boy, okay, here we There's go. There's a big cutscene in the middle, right? right. And, uh, and stuff happens. You know, you've said there's another couple of beats later that are just like yeah jaw on the floor kind of moments that i'm really looking forward to and yeah i think that's really cool that that's they've kind of gone in that direction because having the kind of cinematic almost metroid prime style cutscenes in a 2d metroid is really kind of refreshing and something that they kind of had a bit in samus returns but obviously not quite had the power of the switch so now having it on switch and these these big cutscenes that can actually explain things like it's quite nice to see that world fleshed out even more yeah that i guess that is an interesting thing when we talk about it visually right because fundamentally this is a two and a half d game which i think we both go back and forth on like how much we like that style when it comes to this Mm. this type of experience and i tend to lean a bit more towards the ori and the kind of hollow knight scene of like it's it's more like animation style and it's hand-drawn and that type of thing however I do think a big advantage of of doing this style is being able to to set up those different camera angles and like sweep around Samus and like look from different angles and go close in on certain characters just the way that it allows you to create more a sense of a world that is larger than just the two and a half D plane you see and it already the game does an incredible job of like the backgrounds and the distance and just like the sense of the planet sometimes like some of the um 
the fast not the fast travel but the travel between areas you take of like these tra- these like giant kind of um almost carriages through the sky like very cool animations like really nice stuff yeah and like you get to areas where it's like pouring with rain mm. and like you get the sense of like the outside of the planet and and all that stuff going on but because of that it does allow for this real fidelity and, and sense of of place with with the 3d stuff going on and and they do a really good job with that not only with some of the moments of the emmys and like them capturing you and going the close in camera to samus but yeah definitely later on they they play with it a lot more and um and i think it it makes sense and honestly a game like this absolutely puts to shame something like bloodstained on switch right which you look at that game and it's like it's also two and a half d and it runs at a terrible frame rate, looks like garbage, and it just shows how much Nintendo can get out of this platform versus other companies who make it for more powerful hardware and then have to like port it later and figure out what, what works on Switch. It's just it shows that there is a lot of juice in this system and this game is absolutely fucking gorgeous. Like I really love the visual style of it. Um and they're able to pull off all of this stuff at 60 fps for the most part in gameplay uh which is just it's amazing right and like i'm if you feel it you really feel the smooth like half of that fluidity conversation we're having is the fact that it is a high frame rate and it does run at 60 for the most part um it's it just makes a big big difference in terms of how the game feels Mm -hmm. but um, how, how do you think about like the environments and kind of all the different spaces you've been to so far have you been okay with the variety like what what do you kind of think of the spaces so far nothing too special yet and um when i think about like impressive metroid environments it's an area where i do think prime does shine a little more than the 2d games so far that i've experienced and i get that um there's some like real like rain rainy stuff that goes on in prime and like your visor drifts you know places like that yeah really cool um so i've not really had any areas yet that have really hit me but they don't feel as like distinct as say fusion where it's like oh sector three pyre this is just all hot or sector six knock this is just the nighttime one with the freezy guys right yeah i feel there's a sense of place a bit more in that game versus this one where it feels not homogenized but like a little bit more like every area has bits and pieces of other areas even even the starting area has like a cold section and a hot section and like some caverns but also a bit of greenery like it feels maybe a bit more naturalistic from a a planet standpoint which maybe makes a bit more sense but is less um distinctive in terms of there's certainly like specific areas later on i'm thinking of one in particular that is like oh this is more like historical in a way like uh, right. almost museum sense actually, yeah. yeah where it's like okay this this feels like culturally there's some chozo stuff going on in this place and mm. and that's cool like all the save rooms you go into they're like chozo warrior statues in the background and yeah and they've got a very clear like egyptian style going on with the chozo which i think yes. is very cool like it's... which has always been the case right with the right. hieroglyphic style like murals yes. and that's the case in zero mission you see a lot of that stuff um but they really lean into it here and i think yeah. it's it's yeah. great um yeah how have you found the difficulty in the combat so far um obviously a lot of people are talking about it and those those first few bosses i personally didn't have a lot of trouble with like did them both second time and then after that things ramp up a bit more but overall my perspective on this is that the game is hard and it is going to be difficult if you're not used to a metroid game 
but i think it's hard in a good way like it feels like you're learning patterns and you are understanding like what the moves of an enemy is and then once you have it down you almost don't get hit at all because you just understand everything right. that's going yeah. on and you can avoid it and get out of the way and i didn't feel that was quite the case with samus returns samus returns just felt a little more unfair in in certain sections and and part of the problem with that game was also like the amount of metroid you fight again and again and it just felt a little repetitive yeah repeated boss fights um, yeah but yeah have you have you found the general like moment to moment combat but also like fighting bosses yeah i, th- I think it's been not fairly easy but like challenging in a good way where yeah i've had like two three deaths on most bosses i die way more on emmys for example but the checkpointing is very good and the bosses themselves are fairly generous with like the health and missile drops and stuff like that and you are rewarded for like countering certain bosses uh, in a way very counter them and then by countering them they drop a ton of health and ammo and it's like well right thank you very much and it's kind of i like that i think it's fair and the countering generally feels great both in regular enemies and in boss fights and yeah i think the difficulty is very well balanced generally speaking and i think the emmys we can talk about the emmys maybe but like yeah they are very tough but i find that the checkpointing and stuff is so generous that they feel a lot more like speed runs than they do necessarily stealth which i think is actually beneficial to the game because it is so good with its movement and you know when you're being chased by an emmy and the movement feels good it's a fun feeling you're not you never i never feel frustrated that oh i can't get samus to do this one thing i'll often get frustrated because the emmy just pops out of nowhere and comes right, at you yeah, but that's kind yeah. of more to do the do the design of the emmy not samus's movement so i think it definitely it's good that they went with the kind of fast pace you will get you will get caught and you're expected to run rather than sure just stealth your way through the whole level because that's actually very hard to do for most of the levels that i've experienced so far yeah yeah for sure that let's maybe let's talk about the emmys then because they are the kind of introduction uh new kind of element of this game supposedly according to sakamoto the reason that they couldn't make the game on ds or whatever because they required too much ai scripting or something along those lines and um so they are basically these robots that hunt you um almost like you have seven sax uh you know now chasing after you but the nice thing about them is they only stay within their set areas and so there are specific emmy doors that you go through and so when you enter into one of those then you're in danger of being caught by these things and the the problem with them is you can't defeat them the only way to kill them is by having a special omega laser beam that you get from killing a weird mother brain style creature that you Mm. find multiple of yeah yeah i've really enjoyed all that stuff like getting the beam and then actually using it on an emmy i actually have really enjoyed so far It, it can get annoying at points just because it feels a bit more like a not qte but it's almost like a cutscene that you're controlling where yeah. you go into behind the back camera for samus and you you have to basically heat up their mask first by holding down y so you're just like firing on them but if you like move your uh, arm away from them for like a mini second they'll start moving faster towards you especially the third one the third emmy is just was a pain in my ass because like you had to be so precise on its face and if you were like slight, slightly off it just started like creeping towards you super quickly like a fucking creepy ass horror creature um and that was not 
fun so so yeah you have to do that and then after you've broken their mask then you have to charge up a giant blast that destroys the kind of um lens as their face God, it feels good when you get them though My, it feels fantastic so when you good. get them on mul- multiple levels because not only do you get a power up from them and they're not there anymore but also that entire area completely shifts in tone because when you enter it it's like got this really creepy vibe like the almost the sound design and the noises around it are such they, they do like an effect as well it's like some sort of it's not blurry i don't know the cinematic tone it's a grain it's a grain effect on it's top, some sort of grain you're right yeah yeah it might be the only time where i've been okay with a grain effect <laughs> in a video game like it's it's not too bad and i think it creates a sense of like horror tent like a real tension when you're in those areas of like i just oh i just want to get to the next door and like when you exit an emmy door the feeling is so good it's like oh just sigh of relief like i'm out of there i don't have to worry about it for however long and it, it checkpoints you as well so it's like okay i think you can oh. actually see all the doors you just can't see how to get to them each time so you yeah. can like say right i'm targeting that door i guess i should go in this general direction because every time you die any map that you had discovered vanishes again so like yes getting to a door means you keep the map that you saw in that area so it's always worth just yeah get get from a to b get to that that next door and then the second you're through that door it's just sigh of relief and yeah you're safe yeah they really ratchet that up and and it feels it feels satisfying to get through those areas but yeah ultimately when you beat the enemy emmy uh the area then just goes to like safe mode essentially and like the grain disappears and like it, it brightens up and now you can just wander through it at your own leisure and that is so it's such a great feeling like and the way they capture it by like being able to get rid of just take this thing out of this space and now you're the master of it it's just like oh such a it just something about it to me just works so incredibly well um i guess like the most times i died in the game was from the emmys though and maybe let's kind of discuss the the harsh punishment in a way i think a lot of people have been feeling of like oh you get caught you have this very tiny chance to escape and it's like the window for which is like only a couple of frames big two windows apparently you do have two chances right because the emmy kind of like comes at you with its hand and so you can you can like parry it almost with that but then it's 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 beak it's it's um spike comes out of its face and that's a secondary way that you can parry it so there are ways to get out of it there was one moment where i managed to do it three times in a row and i felt like a genius and i was like holy shit how am i still alive but for the most part you're likely gonna die uh on that uh thing and that was probably the most frustrating part of the game and i know ne- i never thought it got too bad but there was certainly an area later on where you're in an area that's underwater and you don't have the gravity suit yet and so you're slow as shit but there's an emmy also underwater stalking you and man like i was just mean doing that section for like so many like at least half an hour or so of like okay let's keep going let's just try and get through and i eventually did it but it i don't know if it it felt like it was earned in any way It, it just felt a little bit too harsh and that's like the worst it gets i don't think it ever gets worse than that because once once you get the gravity suit and it's just like oh my god the freedom of being able to move properly underwater i think what they do they they have a lot of underwater sections in, in this game um and what that serves to do is like you are so sick of being slow underwater but the by the time you get the ability to move normally in it it feels so fucking incredible it's mm. like oh my god oh i just had like the shackles have been released and i'm just able to go anywhere now and it just feels so so good so yeah um I, I i don't know how do you do you think that emmys were an interesting introduction here how do, do you think that like they change things up enough or, yeah or um i mean yeah. they really make you second guess like oh right okay i'm going to an emmy zone i have to act very differently to the zone i've just been in and 
That is refreshing. And I don't think they dominate the game in any way. There's long stretches where you don't have to think about Emmys and you might have cleared out the Emmy room and you're just kind of doing other point A to B kind of things that don't involve any Emmy doors. So I don't think they dominate the game um, in any way. No, they don't. And they are, they're brief and that's nice. Like yeah. They are short enough to where you can almost just run through them and figure out the path. And I think now that I've done it, I, I probably would have a much easier time going through it. And maybe that takes away some of the tension, but like yeah. second playthrough is different, isn't I, it? You I know, could imagine some parents probably buying this game for like, say, a 10-year-old. And 10-year-old mm-hmm. me would have been absolutely... I know you were terrified of the SAX like, oh, yeah, way back I was. when, but like, as you said, seven SAXs in this game, just constant. <laughs> yeah. like, it, it is pretty scary. Um Andy Cortez, I think, shared a, a clip where he was streaming the start of the game, yeah. and he'd gotten the powerful beam that you use to destroy the Emmys, and he had he had the camera lined up, ready for the Emmy at the bottom of the corridor, and then the Emmy just drops straight in front of him because it went went down a different pipe instead of the one at the bottom of the corridor. Oh my and it god! Just, like completely took him for a surprise, and I, I, I like that about it. Like I I think you know metroid and it's the way that it's playing on sci-fi and themes around films like alien and stuff like it is sci-fi horror in many ways and a lot of the bosses evoke horror but aren't horror themselves and i think to actually have a game that is called dread and that you are running away from these enemies like i think it it works for what the game's going for i'm not saying metroid needs to always go in a darker direction and certainly there's dark moments of games like prime one and two that are just like pretty terrifying at points um but I, I think what they're doing with this game actually works really well. And the Emmys, I think, are they've grown on me more and more. I think initially it was like, okay, I'm going to have to do this a lot, apparently. But it's not actually as bad as, as you think. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, certainly later on in the game, once you kind of know their tricks a bit better, um, it uh, it makes it so that you just you feel like you can manage it a bit more and, and you understand. And they certainly throw in like other elements um, to like change up what the Emmy is capable of. Um, but they also like do some twists on it and do some things that you wouldn't expect. And then, you know, by the end, it's like, oh, okay, they, I didn't think that that was going to happen. And then something else happens. And yeah, um, it's also interesting, like horror wise, I guess uh, Metroid has always had a horror route to it because how influenced by Alien it is, right? Like Ridley is named after Ridley Scott, the director of mm-hmm. Alien and like Samus being a woman like Ripley is in Alien. Like they 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 definitely drew on that as an influence. So I guess like horror has always been a kind of an undertone of the series. And so it is it is cool for it to come back in a way um, and, and work it works really well you know I, I think it works super well here so um yeah how, how have you found just exploring and navigation so far and being able to know where to go i certainly got stuck a couple of times and there were some moments where i was like i just it feels like i've got too much space to explore here and i just don't know where i should take this power up next there's certainly maybe this comes into the map a little bit as well because the map is um i think a little contentious for certain people i i found myself liking it more and more the further i got into the game and especially at the end when i was doing my 100 percent, it was nice to see like where are all the missile tanks where are all the certain specific doors um and it can certainly 
help you with like okay i now have the wide beam and so i need to find those blocks that can only be pushed away by the wide beam right like that is helpful but it feels a little cluttered in a way so it's almost like it's almost like a monkey's paw because i've always been like okay metro style games they need to just give you as much information as possible on the map so that you can go back to places and know where you are but to some degree it's like maybe it's a little too much information overload and by the end i didn't think so but like while i was playing through the game just getting my handle on like where i was in the space was maybe a little trickier it's it's interesting because like i i like like the map has grown on me more and more i initially was just a bit like this is just like vomiting out emblems and logos and symbols all over the place but then the more you play you are you do actually have points where the non-linearity of the game means you have to stop and think right I need to use this part to get from this point to this point, and this is my best route. And you spend a quite—I've spent quite a lot of time looking at the map, but I've always done that in Metroid games. And that's something I like about Metroid games: is that when it comes to like the genre that is Metroidvania, I think Metroid, the Metroid games themselves, maybe aside from something like a Hollow Knight, are actually the most technical when it comes to like the level design and structure of how you're getting yes. from A to B. So 100%. for what the game is going for, the map kind of has to be as cluttered as it is. And the way that they hide missile upgrades and energy upgrades like everywhere, like that's that's just part of Metroid. So you do really kind of need it. And I think a lot of the industry has become, because it's been so long since a Metroid game, a lot of the industry has been very used to Metroidvanias being a lot more Ori-like, where it is a bit more open. It's, yes, there are upgrades, but the number of options you can do in Ori seem a lot more minimal compared to like Metroid, which is ultimately maze-like in comparison. Like it's very dense and you really need to know what you're doing because you can get pretty lost. And it's it's tough in that sense. But I think it's that non-linearity itch that I need to scratch with this game so far. Like I'm really enjoying that level of complexity and it's a shame that at points you can't go like right back to the start very easily to like just go through that area i mean you can yeah there are teleporters but the teleporters are like from one point to another point and nowhere yeah, they're else very they just like fixed. connect to each other yeah and by the end of the game they they kind of lift that restriction you know once i think either it's once you've beaten it or something like that then you jump back in and they're mm. like oh you can teleport from anywhere to anywhere which definitely helps if you're kind of going through and collecting everything as i did um but yeah it's it's interesting when you think about it because actually the metroid series has always been it's never had a contiguous world like it's not the same as axiom you look at axiom verge 2 that we played recently mm-hmm. and that is just one space all together and there's no like load between different areas whereas this game is like like eight maybe seven seven or eight different maps i can't remember how many there are by the end maybe nine different like spaces and like those spaces themselves are like lots of different things within them but you go between them and so you load between spaces and even super metroid was like that and maybe i didn't really notice it at the time but like the elevators separate brinstar from meridia from criteria like all, all these different mm-hmm. places um and fusion is very segmented in that way like all yeah. the sectors sector one through six so and even um samus returns is the exact same thing it's like going underground and then back up again and it is like chunk after chunk after chunk so, so really metroid has always been designed in a way where the world is kind of broken into different smaller chunks uh when you really think about it it's just uh you kind of feel it as one open world because just the way you navigate between it is um is, is kind of smooth uh, in a sense yeah, um, and yeah maybe less so here because the loading screens and stuff they're a bit long um i found generally so yeah and some people will criticize that and be like oh that's so ar- archaic but i i would have to really strongly disagree and just think that 
it's too easy to just compare one metroidvania to another metroidvania like i don't think people compare open world games in the same way they don't be like oh breath of the wild it's just like sunset overdrive it's like no one's <laughs> saying that you know but everyone will always say oh metroid it's just like ori it's like it's it's really when you actually break it down it's so it's nothing like ori in so many ways that like yeah. i do think it does feel like it is doing its own thing in the kind of metroidvania um sphere as it were because it is doing something that it has done for quite a while and yeah it's not archaic i think it's just very different and kind of it's very puzzle boxy in a kind of way in like yeah. a kind of exploration based way which i think is really cool for like metroid fans it's such an interesting way that the design works in metroid games and it's part of the reason i love them so much is finishing the main game doesn't often require mastery of a lot of the systems like obviously it's challenging you have to beat bosses and you have to get good at the combat but really the post game is okay i'm a ball of death now and there's no challenge in going through any of these areas one of the most ridiculous things i found was my my neck was kind of aching after i was doing my 100 percent because literally badly i was just looking at the map in the top corner just to fill in all the pixels i wasn't even looking at the screen where samus was because just jumping around with a screw attack you just murder everything that like hits you so you don't even need to worry about any enemies at all it just completely trivializes the entire game which means that like as i'm going through i'm basically like just looking at the map the whole time and not even looking at the screen where i'm playing the game i'm just like looking at this little samus icon this head just bobbing around the place and it it was a little ridiculous ridiculous when i thought about it. i was like wow i'm just i'm playing this in a totally different way and i'm not even like engaging with the enemies in a combat sense and then like when you get to all the shine sparking puzzles it becomes a totally different style of game where it's like okay it's, it's almost like a zelda puzzle of like okay i need to get across there how do i build up my momentum to maintain it for long enough so that i can get there in time to then boost my morph ball in order to hit this energy tank and it's such a cool different type of game the game just changes after you finish it basically and you you clean everything up and obviously you can do that stuff before you finish the game if you want 100 percent it and then beat the final boss but i've always enjoyed and this game like is very similar to fusion in that way that it, it's probably best to just finish it and then go back through because the the last couple of abilities you get are super late game and by that point you're like so much momentum towards the end and you kind of just want to get there and a lot of the secret hidden shine sparking stuff requires both of those items that you get right near the end of the game mm. um mm. so it almost like it's almost telling you to do that in a sense um but yeah uh it's it's really cool and um yeah i mean i did the same thing with thamus returns i 100 percented it within the first weekend of getting it and i did the same thing here like i got it on friday evening or like i got it during the day on friday started it in the evening and played like probably half of it then the next day on saturday i i finished it at midnight i got to the final boss and beat him like around midnight and then uh sunday i just played five hours 100 percenting the game and i i could not put it down i just absolutely devour these types of experiences and and metroid is just such a special series when it comes to all these elements everything we've talked about it just it nails so many aspects of just world design and sense and feel most of all just the feel and the movement and you know fighting all these different enemies and just having the melee counter like there are certain things that are so fucking satisfying there's a robot enemy in um crateris i think i can't remember how you say it the second fire area the robot enemies who like have these two arms that like glow and then they pulse out and they do like these big kind of like blasts around them and countering those guys and destroying them in one shot is just so fucking satisfying man it just feels incredibly good um and that is the case for so many of the enemies in this game that you come across just 
oh my goodness um it's awesome and uh yeah i already kind of want to jump in and just do a second playthrough i, I just want to fight those bosses again i want to you know master all of it and just just even though i've just done literally everything i can ring out of this game so far aside from like doing hard mode and speed running it and all that shit um i just i want to jump in again and um yeah it's it's same as eastward man like two games this year have done the same thing to me where i finish it and i'm like man what do i do with myself now like it's almost one of those things of i i almost wish that i did like have it a little bit longer but also like i just wanted to just consume it in such a short period of time because i loved it so much um and you know i i have this one shot after 19 years and you know this is i just do, do it in a weekend and that seems a little ridiculous but like to be fair this is one of those games that i know i will replay again and again for the rest of my life so it's you know i almost have a kind of different relationship with it than other video games you know metroid fusion is has been and always will be a constant for me and and this game feels like a there were moments later on in this game that like i got weirdly emotional at because of the ways they tied back into metroid fusion like Mm. in such fucking cool ways um that i didn't expect and was just so glad to see uh that it just it was so special like to me fusion has always been that game that no one pays attention to and everyone always talks about super metroid or metro prime as like the most important games in the franchise but as someone who like holds fusion so close and like so dearly it's awesome to see that this game truly is a sequel to that game in so many ways and um and and i love it for that the fact that it really just it respects and and pays homage to that game in in awesome um ways so yeah i i can't say enough good things about it um i yeah we're I'm obviously we're going to talk about this a lot more uh at the end of the year when we're talking about our favorite stuff but my for goodness. sure metroid fucking dread it's real i beat it i hundred percented it and i want to fucking play it again um yeah amazing stuff Uh, any other things you want to say before we move on bali just i am loving it and yeah i guess i'm loving it my own way because i've not inhaled it in a weekend but no (laughs) i'm i'm enjoying my few hours a day and i'm I'm looking forward to like the story beats and what this game has to offer Uh, i think we got to do a spoiler chat at some point on this even if we just want to talk about some of the mechanics as well as the story beats, i think it's probably worth doing because yeah right there's some cool stuff i've already seen that i'm glad i wasn't spoiled on and i think it's important that well, everyone's got their own take on spoilers, but I think it's a very fun game to play through not knowing much. Exactly. Just discovering new things and, and what's available is definitely, um, it's it's great. So yeah, look forward to that in the future. Um, Bali, do you want to give us uh, an update on where you are in Eastward? Because uh, you've been chugging along with that. Very quickly on Eastward. Yeah, I'm I'm really loving Eastward. I think I'm like 15, 16 hours into Eastward now. Okay, cool. I'm still kind of in the third area and the third area takes a long time but what I kind of love about it is that every area you're in really does feel like home and you familiarize yourself with it you you meet all the characters in that area and just some really great like dialogue and short, little not not even side quests but kind of like mini side quest i guess and just yeah the main story almost feels like it's a kind of anime episode for a while like there's this guy lee who's the almost the crime boss of new damn city and he has a relationship with alva and isabel the two characters who you're staying with and you're at yeah. their house and there's this like mini cooking competition where sam like makes a bet with him of like i can make you something super delicious that you'll love and so for a sequence of the game you're making like these three different meals and you like go on these quests to different places really cool to get quest. the ingredients yeah. Yeah. and come back 
back and all the story stuff is just so nice around it's so adorable like sam is just oh one of my favorite characters of the year for sure like yeah there's a moment where you're like running around the the, the crabs go, go out of your crab pot that you've left on the uh stove to cook and you just run around the house of sam just picking up these crabs and it's the funniest thing i just i love that section so much yeah and, and i think that the overarching story is still really delivering and like i'm getting kind of pumped for like what the kind of final half final foot third of the game has to offer because it's like it's bit i can tell it's really building and yeah yeah i'm absolutely loving it i'll hopefully have finished it for next time um Mm -hmm. but just yeah it just feels it's awesome i i'm I'm loving it and and i i think the the combat is even growing on me like i've upgraded my one of one of my weapons to like max and it's really helped me out a bit and it's kind of yeah. it's all com- clicking a bit more and i've got some other upgrades which are helping with my health so like it kind of just it's all synergizing nicely and like it's just such a shame not more of the industry is talking about this game because oh, it is so, so good it's so glorious um like yeah for an industry that just, loves earthbound yeah. so much this game definitely needs more time in the sun I just keep thinking about the cooking mini game, man. Just the, the animation oh. on the cooking, the music is like doop 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 doop, doop and it just like, oh, it's beautiful. It's just like some of the best, most beautiful little animations you've ever seen, uh, and yeah. just makes me feel warm and wholesome inside. It's great, yeah. great so stuff. good. Play Eastwood. Play Eastwood. Um, also play Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania, uh, the, the game that's probably going to uh, get a little bit forgotten about in the buzz of Metroid coming out because it came out just before. Um, and uh, I've been excited to play this, man, because, uh, you know, I grew up with Super Monkey Ball. I first encountered it at a third cousin, I'm going to say, his house. I have too many relatives, Ballad. I don't know who this... It's another couple of games that came out in that kind of early 2000s era, yes. like Metroid yeah. Fusion and stuff a lot of nostalgia around it for sure yeah and then so like i was at this cousin's who however i'm related to them's house and um i'd never i'd I'd heard of monkey ball obviously i owned a gamecube at the time but i didn't really know anything about it and i'd never really dug into it and he was he was like a few younger than me and he's like oh this great game uh the scooby-doo game so we play this terrible fucking scooby-doo game and it was garbage and then he's like oh i've got this other game monkey ball i was like oh yeah monkey ball i want to check that out and that afternoon we just played like two hours of monkey ball and after it i was like dad you need to buy me monkey ball i need to play this game and so um that that was monkey ball but we just bought you metroid fusion yeah exactly yeah yeah you know i I wanted a lot of games back then man i was i was voracious as a child we're very demanding children very demanding yeah um but uh, he had monkey ball one but my dad bought monkey ball two because that was the newest one that had come out so i have a lot of nostalgic ties to monkey ball two really fucking hard video game the monkey ball games the first couple on gamecube were just like brutal in their difficulty but i think that's what made them special and i think ultimately why people love those games so much versus is the newer monkey ball games is that like the new ones were fun but they all almost felt like this is a weird thing to say they felt too well designed like the levels made too much sense you know um there's a way in which monkey ball one and two are so fucking random and weird and like there is no cohesion between a single world of levels and sometimes you'll be in like a level that takes you an hour and the next one you'll do on your first try and it's like how are these like how is one of these after the other like in difficulty or whatever like because you go from world one dash one all the way to world one dash ten so it's like ten levels per world and sometimes like 
there was a level 4-9 that I was stuck on for, I will not kid you, like an hour and a half. And it's these fucking seesaws that go back and forth and you have to like balance yourself so you don't fall off the side of them. And the last seesaw you do is just a pain in the fucking ass, frankly. It's just like, I, I need to get past this and I, I couldn't do it. Um, and then after I did that, the, the level after it, I literally did like straight away without even thinking. And it, it's... And that's the thing I think that does make it special is because obviously you've played the later Monkey Ball games, by the way. Like, do you play the DS one as well as the um, Wii one? I played Game Boy Advance and DS. Um, okay. And I played quite a lot of GameCube, like at your house and stuff. So I definitely appreciate the, the tougher ones more, like, yes. you said, like you're saying. And um, Banana Blitz, obviously, on Wii, we played a bunch, which had motion controls in. And maybe the weakest of the bunch, maybe. Probably. It had some weird boss fight stuff going on in it, which I wasn't super yeah. keen on, but I thought was interesting at the time as a kid, and I guess. Window breaking um, minigames. Of course, yes, as we all remember, Bali throwing a Wii Remote into my window, uh, trying to get... Got the high school on the baseball, though, uh, so there's a silver lining to everything. Um, But yeah, I I think the reason I don't have good memories associated with Banana uh, Blitz, I should say, in those other games, and don't remember many of the levels, is because it was just kind of easy. Like, you just went through, and you didn't have too much challenge, and maybe there was some difficulty, but, like, by that point, they'd added a jump into it, and, like, the art style was slightly different, but, like... There is like a raw readiness to the first two games where they're like, mm, fuck you. Um, how about fuck you for like two hours right now and you're not going to get past this. And honestly, like, I fucking love it. Like, as I was doing those hard levels and being stuck on them for ages, there is a sense of like, almost like this is what i got from super meat boy almost before super meat boy existed was monkey balls like insistence on you're gonna be on this level and we're just gonna get you to just do it again and again and the restarts are quick enough it doesn't take too long to start again and just figuring out like what is the best approach here sometimes i was just going too fast sometimes i was just like needed to slow down a bit and and get you know really think about a course before you you go and take it on and sometimes you just have to go super quick to get through it and um just finding weird ways around it there's a level where like it's these platforms that just open and close and if you hold yourself forward the whole time you'll just end up falling down because if you're just going at that speed the course is kind of built so that you just fall through the middle so you have to find a way around it of like what speed do i go at can i you know jump can i like get momentum to where like i hit and i bounce high so that i get a super high jump and just clear over all of these these um kind of plaques but then I found a way to just go on the side to like, you know, in, in Sunshine in that fucking lily pad level where, mm-hmm. you know, some people just run on the kind of edge because Mario can kind of stand on the edge. Yeah. It was almost like that where I was like, okay, I'm just going to ride the edge here because the edge never falls down into nothingness. That kind of stays as like a solid thing. So I was like riding this edge for the whole time and I got to the end. And the the cool thing about it, like this is why Monkey Ball speedruns are so cool to watch, is that... You can fucking just get into that goal from, like, nowhere. You can just, like, be at the start of the level super high up and just fall, like, 100 feet and just, like, dive straight into the goal and there's no penalty for it. The game just says yes at every turn. It, like, it allows its physics to be ridiculous and impossible and then you just nail your way through the goal and it feels fucking awesome. Is the reset time good between, like, you dying and falling off and just going straight into another go? Yeah, I, I heard Jeff Gersman talk about this on the Bombcast and, and I kind of agree to some extent of like, I wish there was a quick retry button. It's not super slow, like it is quick and, and it gets you into it. Like it could be even relatively, snappier. It could be even snappier, especially because like, if you want to retry manually, like you have to go pause, retry, 
yes and then it loads you back so like it's usually actually faster to wait for the game to just Mm. reload you rather than going through those three button presses in the menu so it could have been tightened up a little bit but you know i'm i'm of the mind that you know after losing uh, or fucking up in a monkey ball thing it's nice to kind of have that almost half second of like all right let's reset let's kind of think about this a bit casual breath um and and go back into it so i'm currently at world nine out of ten i believe there are ten worlds total and i got past the point ballot as a kid where i was never able to get past i actually also want to talk about the way the campaign is set up in this game because it's super weird and a bit confusing um so I was watching, because I was, again, watching Dan Reichert doing a little bit of streaming of it, and he was like, oh, so the, the story mode is Monkey Ball 2. Where are the Monkey Ball 1 levels? Um, the weird thing is, is that Monkey Ball 1 didn't really have a traditional story mode in the same way that Monkey Ball 2 did. So Monkey Ball 2, you have these 10 worlds, and there are 10 levels per world, and you have, like, mini cutscenes in between, and there's Dr. Bad Boon, and, and there were these really fun cutscenes on GameCube that they completely got rid of in this version and they're just like time wasty like little television things that are really rubbish has it had much of a glow up otherwise like i mean it looks pretty similar to banana blitz hd in terms of its look but kind of yeah i guess i i prefer the look of the originals i would say overall but like you know i think generally the physics have held up like i think people have issues with the way the mini games work with monkey target especially i haven't really dug into the mini games because it's mainly a multiplayer thing and i haven't really had a chance to do that so um i'm sure we we should do that whenever we meet up at some point do some monkey ball mini games does it have online i don't believe so um standard you know japanese uh (laughs) company like sega you know not doing that which i'm not surprised by but um but yeah so so in terms of the feel and, and the look it definitely maps really nicely but the so the weird setup with monkey ball 2's main story and monkey ball 1's is that in monkey ball 1 you had these three different options when you went into like the quote-unquote main game one is beginner one is intermediate and one is expert and they are basically like linear challenges where you have to do all of the levels in one go and i think you have a certain number of lives and so that mode was also in monkey ball 2 but it was separate from the main story so monkey ball 1 really only had a challenge mode essentially and that's where all the levels were contained so that was the way you played through those levels so the way they set it up on the screen in in the hd version is the main story is monkey ball 2 but the game doesn't tell you that so if you just click main story and you've never played these games before you might think that main story is Monkey Ball 1's main story mixed with Monkey Ball 2's main story mashed together. That's what I assumed to begin with. But then when I was playing it, I was like, wait a second, I'm in World 2 and like I am really familiar with this in a way that doesn't seem right because I never played Monkey Ball 1 on my own, so it, it seemed a bit off. And then I went online and figured out that, yeah, the main story is just Monkey Ball 2's main story. And then there are these other separate sections, which is Super Monkey Ball 1 Challenge Mode and super monkey ball one challenge mode is in fact the main levels from monkey ball one but there's also monkey ball two challenge mode which was a separate thing in monkey ball two that was similar to monkey ball one but wasn't the main story because monkey ball two had a main story anyway it sounds like a mess and it is a bit of a mess but like eventually i figured out that what monkey ball one is is just a whole separate thing essentially it's it's called a challenge okay. mode but it what it, it's what the main meat of the game of monkey ball one was essentially yeah yeah so yes anyway that's kind of how it's set up um i i don't like the way they handle the challenge mode just because you can't save and quit in the middle of it in the main story you can just do one level and then you can just jump back in to wherever you left off onto the next level in the challenge mode you basically have to beat all the levels back to back in order to finish it and let me tell you some of those like later harder monkey ball one stages are a kick in the balls in difficulty and so 
basically i would have to just keep my switch on and only playing monkey ball for however long until i beat it if i wanted to get through all those levels which is a little annoying especially with this being a remake and you should have like added some quality of life stuff to that i think they could have done a better job and um you you don't unlock those levels in practice mode until you've beaten them in the challenge mode so you actually do have to go through the whole thing in order to unlock them all for even going in and doing them individually so that kind of sucks um i wish they'd handled that a bit better but for the most part i've been focusing on the main story um which as i said i did get past the point when i was a kid there's a level um called bubble something it's like these these kind of like circular almost um to tubes that there are like multiple of them and they're in this like weird um kind of connected together where you have to roll down one and kind of jump to the next and roll and keep doing it and i could never get past it uh, as a kid it was so fucking hard i have heard that they have made adjustments to the difficulty in some of these levels in oh. terms of making them a little bit um easier to work with and it definitely felt that was the case with this one it felt like it gave me a bit more momentum as i was going up and down because you are actually tilting the stage you're not yes. moving with the ball right exactly like, that's the weird thing about monkey ball right yes you are technically the stage is moving and the ball is going as wherever mm. you move the stage to uh, which is a weird thing to think about and maybe you, you're not conscious of it as you're playing but that's kind of how the game works and um and and yeah so i did i got past that i think that's a world seven stage and so getting past world seven a, a ton of them like in world eight that like gave me trouble and just sticking with but even when it's super fucking hard and i'm like this sucks i'm having a great time i'm just it's like there's such comfort food to the feel of monkey ball and just rolling around and even the dumb stuff they've added for this game with unlockable characters like sonic and tails and fucking kiryu from yakuza there's a chibi kiryu and instead of collecting bananas you collect stamina which is the juice that you use to like heal yourself in the yakuza series it's fucking amazing it's so good just like the idea of me beating this childhood level as kiryu from yakuza and also the history of the series is that ryu goga uh, ryu gagotoku studio who make yakuza they made monkey ball back in the day because oh, nagoshi cool. nagoshi who is the kind of yakuza guy who's now leaving because he's being acquired by netties he's going to work for netties now which kind of sucks for the yakuza team so yakuza is to blame that we've not had many monkey balls exactly yeah nagoshi basically right. um moved from monkey ball and didn't make another one after two or deluxe and then just went off and um and made the yakuza series for the rest of his life so so that's kind of what happened um which is uh very interesting and obviously like there's a through line here um from from i wouldn't say that I, there's no through the only through line is that the guy works on it. i guess the through line is i love monkey ball and i love yakuza so Nagoshi is my my dude basically is what i'm saying he's he makes good video games that i'm very into but it's really nice to have this um this like old nostalgic thing that i love with this new thing that i've recently gone into with yakuza and monkey ball yeah. and just throwing them together in that way it's just so much fun it's just awesome i really am enjoying it so um yeah and you can do stupid cosmetics Stuff. sounds like the the fundamentals of monkey ball are have aged fantastically and still yes. play well but they've just put it together a bit clunkily in in some aspects i would say it's mainly just the challenge mode that's a little bit clunky and then again some of the physics for the mini games i think people are complaining about from my perspective as someone who's just been playing through the story mode of the main game um i think it's been fantastic and i've had a really fun time with it and it feels like it felt back then and and like i'm not a speedrunner, so i i can't tell you the like slight minutiae and the bullshit details of that stuff which i'm sure 
there are problems with it that those people don't like but as someone who enjoyed monkey ball on a i guess surface level to some degree but also just like played those games a lot when i was younger feels really good and 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 i have been enjoying it a hell of a lot um and as i said it, it is just like put on a podcast zone out and and just like listen to something while i just attack this level head on and just do it hundreds and hundreds of times until i finally get it and you finally have that fucking moment um and there are so many moments before that of like fuck i got to the goal but then i fucking hit the side of the goal instead and flew off the side of the stage and it's just like oh i was so close and then i didn't do it but then that, that moment when you do fucking do it there is such massive satisfaction in beating a monkey ball level that is balls hard and um and yeah none of the other games give you that feeling so uh thrilled that they brought this back i really want them to make a new one that like takes the level design tendencies of this game which to be frank is just it's so weird like there as i mentioned it just feels like a hodgepodge the level design is so off the wall and like doesn't make sense a lot of the time and i think as a kid i didn't really think about it that critically i was like this is just a video game and i go through the levels versus now where i'm like thinking a bit more about it and i'm like none of this like tracks like they don't I mean, they might have just been all made by like individual people in the team yeah and they put them all together it's just a, a mess <laughs> yeah almost like that it's, it's like the game doesn't really teach you like what the best way to attack these things are and they'll <laughs> yeah. just throw you they'll throw you some there's a there's a level that involves seesaws that i mentioned that is like number four nine or something and then you do another seesaw level later that is in world eight and the seesaw level later in world eight is like 10 times easier than the one in world four and it's like this doesn't make any sense why is that one there and this one here is just so illogical um but it's fun and and i've been getting definitely stuck on some places but i always am being managing to push through them and i'm just i'm just much better at video games than i was when i was younger which makes me think that i should be able to just finish the main campaign uh without too much issue um i'm not sure if i'll be able to finish all the harder kind of levels from deluxe and some of those bonus stages that are later that you unlock but um i'll give it my, my best shot and see how far i get but um yeah it's it's also fantastic handheld i should say so i, I i'm playing the switch version and i got that deliberately because it is such a like go downstairs while someone's watching tv and just play monkey ball as i also watch something and pay attention to something in the background it's it runs really smoothly handheld and um and looks great so yeah definitely a it's, it's also like similar to celeste and meat boy of just like one more try one more try and then you put it down for a bit and then you pick it up later in the day it has that loop to it that really works for just pick up and play honestly like it's such level based fun that um it's easy to just dip in and out of so it's perfect for switch and, and a great version thankfully so really really good highly recommend people checking it out um super monkey ball banana mania awesome stuff great we talked about a lot of video games uh and i'm very happy right now so many fun things and so much good stuff happening uh but we're gonna be back after the break we're gonna take some of your emails so don't go anywhere we shall be right back
Hello everyone and welcome back to the second segment of today's show. It is time for some emails. We put out the call quite a while ago and people have responded really well in droves. Emails and Discord. We've got plenty of questions and yeah, it's usually appreciated everyone who's written in. So yeah, we've got a good stock to get through now. Yes, which is, and we'll probably do a great. more kind of dedicated email segment at some point where we do a bunch more. Um, so yeah, we'll hopefully do that soon. Definitely, definitely. But if you would like to send in an email, yes, you listening right now, please email this Nintendo Life at gmail.com. That is this Nintendo Life at gmail.com. You can also post a comment in our discord server uh, there's a channel for emails on in there which is a mm-hmm. great community it's always growing really really pleased with how discord's going um our first email this week is from jackpot who's from vancouver canada it's actually on discord it says hey tnl first off congrats to caroline and bally very exciting news i hope your special day was everything you had dreamed thank you very much jackpot it's hugely appreciated over the years, we've seen several Nintendo franchises essentially fade away into the background, such as F-Zero and Golden Sun, despite many fans wanting them to return. This is usually the part of the email where the writer would ask, what franchise do you want to return? But instead, I'm going to flip this question on its head and ask, which currently well-established Nintendo franchise do you both predict could be the next to fall into this pile of forgotten games? Thanks, as always, for the great show, Jackpot. I love it. I love the flip. Uh, I think this is a fun idea, and uh, it's an interesting one because I think this tends to happen with franchises that generally don't sell super well, and therefore, I mean, back in the day, right, when you think about the era of GameCube, Game Boy Advance, even prior to that in 64 and stuff like that, I think just the place where Nintendo were was slightly different. The place where people were with video games was slightly different. And so, you know, a lot of these different types of ideas were being thrown out constantly. And, you know, they would be put out just because they wanted to make them and they they thought they were interesting. Obviously, there's always a financial incentive behind everything. And that eventually catches up to you to the point where it's like, okay, the last one of these games we made didn't do very well. So does it make sense to make it anymore? Um, And I don't, I feel like it's harder and harder to pick those out from Nintendo's current lineup because all the bigger franchise they they work on are are games that are like well they've done super well and so it it's kind of obvious that they would continue uh, with those games and keep there keep are them exceptions. going. There are some, yeah. Bally, do you have one that you think will fall to the pile of forgotten games and and never be heard from again? Well, there's already one that has fallen to the pile of forgotten games. Okay. And in a weird way, it's probably their most successful game, and that's Mario Kart. (laughs) Huh, yeah. I guess so. It's almost so it's too successful for its own good. Exactly, yes, yeah. Where, yes, we've had Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is a game from, let me get this right, 2014? Yes, I believe that's the case. That's a correct... 2014, Mario Kart 8, originally, obviously, mm-hmm. Deluxe from 2017. Yeah. So we are now in this holding pattern where, yeah, Mario Kart just isn't coming out and probably won't come out for quite some time. And we've gone back and forth on what might happen next and might not. And but I think it's a good example where, yeah, Nintendo are making a ton of money from Mario Kart. And because they're making so much money, they clearly don't want to release any more in that franchise. It's, it's sort of fulfilled the forever game notion and in a weird way and i'd really contrast it with another kind of potential forever game in splatoon where sure we've had splatoon 1 on wii u we've had two at the start of the switch's life cycle in 2017 and we've got splatoon 3 potentially coming out next year yeah it's weird that i'll if nintendo were like a modern company or more western like you know microsoft or whatever 
can even make the argument that like these games like Splatoon and Mario Kart would potentially go like some sort of strange kind of subscription game pass free to play model in an alternate world a bit like halo coming out in december or something you know and the fact that they are sticking so traditionally with splatoon 2 in 2017 now it's going to be splatoon 3 here in you know 2021 or 2022 next year sorry it's kind of like yes that game will come out and probably do very well but do you then go for splatoon after that or do you give it a gap and it just feels weird because that game will probably be very successful but in some ways might die in a weird way for a while who knows you know yeah i i don't i mean if we're thinking about games that will fall into a pile of like f-zero and golden sun where nintendo won't do them again i don't think that will happen to mario kart but, but yeah um, it would fall into a, a different pile but it, yeah. yeah it's, it, it's yeah. maybe like a secondary pile that like splatoon and mario kart could fall into which is like okay like we won't make a new one because the current one is still doing super well and so it's just gonna kind of sit there for a while um this is a tricky one though for i think a, a, a lot of current switch games and, and nintendo franchises I'm actually going to go to, you know, the reason um, that Nintendo leaves all of its games uh, forgotten uh, is because Bally likes them. So so uh, obviously we've got F-Zero, <laughs> we've got Advance Wars, like uh, Wave Metroid Race. Prime all... came back. Hey, that's, yeah, that was that's one true, that that's true. looked a bit dead. You got, you got one win, but yeah, obviously all the games that you like, Bally, are the ones... Don't forget Reboot Camp. Yeah, that's coming. It's coming, but it's not a new game. True. Um, so my thought is that a couple of franchises that have been relatively uh, existing <laughs> for a while in Nintendo's catalog, but probably will go away. Maybe they've both got Switch ports, but um, I think both Pikmin and Donkey Kong Country oh, are, uh, are potentials God. potentials God. to fall into that category. And I know that that uh, uh, noise you're making, Bally, because it's it's almost like a realization of hmm, that could possibly happen, right? It's like I, I would put good money on at least one of those happening. Yeah, yeah, like yeah i think we'll get one of those in the next five years and the other will, will vanish so i don't i don't know how well pikmin 3 has done in terms of the port to switch like maybe it's done okay has it done well enough for miyamoto to finally just say all right just take that version of pikmin 4 i made 17 mm. years ago and put it out the door uh who knows really but um i think dk's done quite a bit better than pikmin from what i yeah last read i, can't I believe so but it is an interesting spot of like okay the company who was making the donkey kong country games the like revival of that franchise now they're working on metroid again and is there anyone within nintendo who wants to work on a donkey kong platformer there were those rumors of course of a 3d donkey kong game happening and with a 3d kirby game happening maybe it's a 3d renaissance that's happening with nintendo's platformers at this point in time right if the odyssey team is making a donkey kong game that is like going in that lineage and you got that you got hal making a, a kirby game then you know those those 2d versions may just fall away yeah. for a little while uh probably less likely with kirby but um yeah there's again there's too many franchises and not enough studios potentially and that's definitely yeah. what kind of happened to advance wars and it's really interesting that way forward are doing that yeah. uh reboot camp and like will they have enough chops to make an independent new advance wars game or will nintendo wait for intelligence intelligent systems again to make something and i kind of feel like reboot camp might be a bit like your donkey kong and pikmin prediction where i know it's a remake a reboot as it were mm-hmm. but I, I do fear for advance wars after that game um i i really do because i just can't figure yeah. out who would make it you know like, like yeah I what what is the 
I, I do wonder if this is a Mercury Steam situation, right? Like, Nintendo worked with Mercury Steam on a remake of an old Metroid game to be like, okay, let's see how you do on this. They did very well, and then they got to make a big boy one. Is that the case here? Do WayForward have this as their kind of almost trial run, their exam, and if they pass, Nintendo mm. says, all right, let's make a new one does, together. Does Reboot Camp outsell Samus Returns? Ooh, that's an interesting one. It's obviously I think, got a big Switch boost, which always yeah. helps. But I think yes, because Samus Returns came out in 2017 yes. when the 3DS was yeah. dying, and Metroid already was not a super popular franchise for people to buy. I do think that Advance Wars, given I think given like the internet and the way that people have hyped this series for years and years, a lot of people will be interested enough to jump straight into this one. So I do think it sells like over a million, likely. It probably just hits that club because by default, I think a lot of Nintendo Switch games just hit one million regardless of like Metopia or whatever the fuck it's called, hit a million sales. So yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Advance Wars it's, well. It's actually really weird because like the first couple of Metroid Prime games were kind of at the same time as the first couple of Advance Wars games in the West, West at least. And yeah you know we are now anticipating reboot camp this december and metroid prime 4 and say next year or the year after like it's it's weird that there is this kind of 20 year gap and look at fusion and dread you know like there's this weird symmetry going on right now that's just kind of linking it all together where there are so many people who you're right will be like metroid prime is a really great reviewed series people seem to love that i've never played one but i'm going to jump in on four Mm because you know and i hope that 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 similar argument can be made about advanced wars and we can see a new one but yeah yeah i i really think that's the case here i think what's happening is as you mentioned right like how many studios does nintendo have internally how many of them want to work on stuff like f-zero or yeah. golden sun like how many need to be drafted in to help work on even bigger projects you exactly know, like breath of the wild yeah. 2 and these things like it's... right monolith soft like half of that team is just like dedicated to zelda now and as long as as well as making their own games exactly that's definitely delayed the next xenoblade it's, it's hard to argue against that surely right like well i mean i think part of the reason monolith soft uh has just grown a ton is because most of those people are like working on different projects right so there's like half of the studio is helping on zelda stuff the other half is like making xenoblade 3 or whatever and then another section are making a brand new ip i think like that house has grown uh tremendously in the last few years they're like hundreds and hundreds of employees now so but yeah i think the case remains right that nintendo have all these ip and they want to like bring some of them back but what do you do well it makes more sense to work with companies that you've worked with in the past establish more of a relationship with them and you know nintendo very rarely will acquire a company uh, less so than you know microsoft and sony in recent years and the only reason they got next level is because the owners of that company wanted out and they wanted to sell the company so nintendo were like well yeah we'll just do it because we want to keep working with you um and yeah mm. it's been it's been ages since they just bought a studio for the sake of it so i don't think that's the way they're going but this idea of them working with outside developers and saying okay look here's this thing that's kind of dead we're thinking about bringing it back the switches can give it a boost do you want to do this and yeah i i really hope that Advance Wars does well on Switch, that it means that WayForward then get a shot on making a new one. And, you know, look how well Dread has done, right? The reviews are glowing. Everyone's in love with it. It's it's such an awesome game. And the very idea that that could happen with Advance Wars, I think, is super exciting, right? Like, mm. I, I, I think that very that is so. a real possibility. So, yeah. Exciting. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Here's another weird one. Uh, okay. Again, it's kind of like knowing the situation where it is who would work on it and we can maybe talk about this in the next segment but smash brothers you know yeah like yeah sure it's sold gangbusters still is selling gangbusters you know we're looking forward to sora but what on earth happens next with that series like it's 
hard to, it's really hard to call right sakurai seems like he is done like that man has worked for 30 years of his life yeah. on this franchise or 20 or whatever i will say say there is a switch 4k in one or two years and say say that comes before switch 2 or maybe it is become switch 2 who knows mm-hmm. but i i can see the existing version of ultimate being ported everyone included 4k and that's it's, probably... it's a mario kart 8 situation right victim of its own success to the point where yeah i think that would be the mario kart 8 deluxe and then you're right i think after that i think that new game will sell really well and then i think we are done with smash brothers for at least five to six years i would gamble i don't know i i think that's very likely right like the idea that this this game on one cartridge you can't actually get everything because you have to download it all as dlc mm. i think nintendo would probably do a thing where maybe they get sakurai back to do like one more character on switch 2 right or something <sighs> along those lines i can't i i can't see it they might they, like, i can't yeah. see it yeah I, I i think like it wouldn't be a big thing it would just be like hey here's a little bit more incentive for people to pick this up because what they did with mario kart right and obviously it's way easier to make a character in mario kart because they did the, they did the like battle mode as well and yes did incorporate like right the squid inklings and something yeah else. inklings from platoon and some other characters and stuff yeah. like that so it's much easier to do that in the case of mario kart because it's not the same of like creating an entire playable yeah. move set for smash brothers but I could see a situation where it's like, okay, it's it's a complete port of that previous game that is on the second Switch and it has all the DLC included. It's a Breath and... of the Wild 2 stage. Yeah. Right, or something like that. Just easier. like one extra stage, one extra character that Sakurai, they get him out of retirement just to do one last thing and, and that's it for the next six, seven years. And then after that is a full reboot of the franchise probably. But um, But yeah, again, I think that falls into the category of it will Mario be Kart. like Mario Kart 8 and Splatoon, <laughs> yeah. right? Where it could just yeah. go to sleep for a while because it's super successful in this other form that's already existed. But um, but yeah, neither of none of those, I think, would ever fall into the F-Zero camp of just like going away forever or what it feels like forever. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think that's not the case. I, I feel like there is no Nintendo franchise that is ever truly dead. We've just yeah. been proven wrong too many times, right? Um, so I do think stuff can come back, but like... Of the, the current things, of the stuff that is super successful, what would go away? I wonder if something like Luigi's Mansion does, right? Because like yeah, you've done a nice yeah. trilogy with it. Um, what what else can you do with that series? Like, what are the ideas you have? You could see them jumping back to like Mario Football or whatever they call it. Mario strikers, yeah, Strikers. strikers right? um, like... Which I don't know how popular that would end up being. Um, obviously... Mm football is a massively popular thing but i just i never knew how well those games did um on wii and gamecube um they obviously was a i mean i think luigi's mansion has done astronomically better oh it's done super well like 10 million copies i'd be surprised if we didn't see luigi's mansion 4 but right and that's the tricky thing right is like all these series are really successful right now on Mm. switch and so it's hard to find one which is why i kind of called to something like pikmin and donkey on country because the circumstances around those games and the way that they're kind of looking right now make me feel like "Mm, yeah i mean these are probably the weakest links in their Mm. current like consistent lineup and even pikmin is not really consistent right because it had a massive gap between two and three and we've not had anything since then so you know i'm hoping that we might have reached the end of yoshi Ooh, interesting spicy take he's just had such he's had so many games in such a short space of time it feels like i know it's only like three and maybe six years whatever but it still feels like a lot and 
where do you go next and do those games even sell that well could yoshi be similar to kirby in that they decide to give him a 3d game you know could i mean that could would this be, cool. be the current thinking right of like we have a 3d kirby coming there's rumors of a 3d donkey kong do they take their third like they have loads of platforming mascots of course warrior we wish they would bring back but like yoshi again another kind of very similar to kirby in that there's lots of games and they're all kind of similar and there's not a huge distinction between them um don't forget warrior already had a 3d platformer on gamecube yes he did warrior world i want to say warrior world yeah which was made by treasure treasure who made sin and punishment um weird fascinating i would love to find a used copy of that one day and, and give it a go but yeah um i I think Yoshi's a good shout, actually, of, like, there is a possibility that that franchise just disappears for a little while and um, and doesn't happen. But the other option would be, I think, a 3D game. And they just kind of go in that direction, as they have been doing recently, um, which would be interesting. And I would certainly be way more interested in a 3D Yoshi, a 3D Donkey Kong. Like, all these games going to 3D, I think, would just be enough of a twist on what we've had before um, to make it a bit more interesting. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's probably where I'd put my money on. But, yeah, it is um, it's tricky to, to go through their franchise and think what is what is going to fall into a pile of forgotten games. Because, for God's sake, they brought back Famicom Detective Club, you know, a Japanese-only series, and localized it. Yeah. To a Western audience as well. Like, wow. Yeah. That's surprising. Fucking wild, man. Uh, really it's awesome. Wild. But, yeah. Great cool. question, Jackpot. And we, we shall see in the years to come what yeah, remains we shall dead see. or what becomes dead and what is forever dormant um like F-Zero, yes but, uh, what is dead may never die exactly um our next question is from timeless gaming uk is on discord says hi guys given that older games that were designed with high difficulty to be mastered through trial and error now typically include aids such as rewind safe states etc can you see future re-releases of modern indie titles including similar features I'm thinking of games like Hollow Knight, Hades, Celeste, Slay the Spire, etc. Do you think it would be a good or bad thing? I've always felt that while uh, good for playing through games quickly, a lot of the experience is lost when overusing aids. To me, playing older games is similar to learning a difficult piece of music. It takes practice and repetition. The goal being to get a little further each time until you finally master it. Abusing safe states is like recording yourself playing each bar and then splicing them together. You've technically played through the piece, but you never had the satisfaction of having learnt it. Do you think you'd have a similar opinion if in a decade you saw people playing through a game like Hades with Rewind and Safe States? Interested to hear your thoughts. By the way, I abuse Safe States a lot when I play on modern consoles, so definitely not intending to be judgmental. Excellent. Thanks for the question. This is uh, this is a really interesting one and big um, topic. Big yeah, topic. And, and not one I've I've um, thought about in the sense of like modern games. I guess like the only modern game I can think of that has rewinds as just part of it is the Forza series, which for me mm-hmm. is amazing because I'm just terrible at driving and having that built into the game is just an awesome feature. And I think having that like console wide just as a feature of a platform would be an awesome thing, right? Yes. And I love the fact that it is in the NES and Super Nintendo Online. There's a lot of collections like the Mega Man one and the Castlevania one that has those features and i don't think the castlevania contra ones have rewind actually i think they they might just have um uh, regular save states but still if you do include that stuff i think that is really helpful and good um and i i do like this kind of analogy that you make to music and that sort of stuff but i I guess what i would say is like some people just don't 
want that they don't want the satisfaction of having learned something right and i and i think that's totally valid you know um i i remember trying to play some tricky pieces on guitar when i first started learning that instrument and i wanted to make some youtube videos and i did on some other random channel uh, you can find it if you look into my history long enough it's it's, it's there good luck finding that one people yeah <laughs> medal to whoever gets that one right. yeah um but yeah some of the early guitar videos i did i would do what you are suggesting which i couldn't nail it all first time so what i would do is i would splice in a segment of me <laughs> getting it correct and then overlaying it that's quite hard to time well i mean i edited it so it would work right Right. so like i just did it separately i would like do the solo on its own and i would do uh, you know all these different parts uh separately and then editing wise i would just put them together so that it felt like a complete piece i mean that is how bands and pop stars record music right you know it is yeah in a lot of ways there's few bands that will just go to a recording studio and record a whole song unless it's a live album yes that is how music is made is literally putting it in pieces and putting it together to create the best version i remember it being a really big deal when the white stripes released their album elephant and that was like famously supposedly played in like one album recording straight start to finish and they just kind of touched up here and there but it supposedly is like one full thing but anyway exactly yeah so um so yeah i I guess in that case i just i just yeah don't i don't really agree in in that sense i think it's for me the idea of having accessibility in the form of uh, pausing games save stating games being able to make them as easy or as difficult as you want is only a good thing and it's, it just serves to make gaming more accessible to a wider group of people who might not be interested in the challenge right that's the what's the, one of the unique things about games as a medium is a book won't get to chapter three and be like fuck you uh, you need to <laughs> you do something to here. <laughs> you you can't open this page until you've done some arbitrary thing in order to read the next chapter, right? Run around the house three times. <laughs> exactly. Like it's it, it, it's such a. I guess for a lot of people, that's why it is an intimidating medium to get into because it has there is challenge presented that you need to overcome in order to get to whatever is next in it, right? Like to finish mm-hmm. a story is usually for most people not something that they have to think much about it's just delivered to them um in in whatever way um so i i i think it's such a cool idea to have these features available in in loads of different ways and it's interesting you bring up hades and celeste in this because those are two games that already kind of have some sort of accessibility feature built into them whether it's hades kind of god mode that lets you get stronger and stronger the more you go through it which almost speaks a bit to the kind of like overcoming it yourself because it gives you a bit more of an opportunity if you didn't have one it's not just making the game super easy it is like slowly over time getting to the point where you are the most comfortable with it and the same with celeste of like okay this is too hard do i want to make it myself invincible do i want to speed up everything do i want to slow down everything it just has a a suite of options mm. that isn't necessarily save states but it, it gives you the tools with which to get through the game if you weren't able to otherwise right yeah. remind um, me how god mode works on hades how does that make it easier for someone I, I believe every time you die a kind of percentage ticks up and it basically makes you stronger or the enemies weaker or something along those lines okay and so like the percentage just keeps going up the more and more you die uh, to a point where eventually like when you beat the game it's like oh okay i i had to put up to 48 percent or whatever to finish the game right right um, Right. and you can keep doing that and it will kind of adjust as you go and and yeah i never used it because like with hades and celeste those are games which for me i love the challenge and that's kind of what i wanted out of them but i totally understand that is not the case for everybody right like the, these games have interesting narrative hooks celeste and hades are both great examples of games that are challenging 
and and they also have a story that people want to find out what happens and and the, see what the characters say and all those sorts of things so i think it's totally legitimate to be like yeah well i'm 100 percent okay in in 20 years if i see a kid playing hollow knight and they use a, a rewind on a boss fight i'm not gonna be like oh fucking scrub i did that when i was younger and i did it without save states right it's like i just think it's a shitty thing honestly <laughs> and i really don't like that attitude when it comes to video games so um yeah i'm all for it i think it's a great idea yeah i i, I agree with a lot of those points for sure um i'm someone who always likes to play a game on vanilla like i like try yes. i like i do like a challenge i like challenging games and i like attempting those challenges on the way that the designer wants it for the most people in that or the the default option you know like I, I do enjoy that default whether it's uncharted or haiti celeste all these games like i like i like that sense of challenge and i rarely i'm in a position where this is too easy i want to turn it up harder like i very rarely do that and a game like forza actually is a really good example where the more races you win the the game will tell you like oh do you want to increase the difficulty and you even get get a few more points for it or you can decrease the difficulty if you keep getting beaten and it's kind of like the sliding scale which i think works quite nicely for that game um i agree entirely that games like hades and celeste have important story moments that are really nice to get to and the idea that many people will be locked out of seeing those story moments just because the game is too difficult or yeah they sit they simply are unable to do it like and accessibility is hugely important in video games i think 100 yeah. it makes complete sense that there are the ability to rewind or i even go as far as to say games should have a, a, a fast forward function you know like i don't even yeah I, <laughs> I mean to be fair some jrpgs have done that the remakes of some of the final fantasy games like 7 8 9 and 12 as well you can just put a fast forward option on to like right. 10 times speed and just blast through those battles because they are super grindy and that's awesome like i i love that that's a feature and i think it probably for that genre especially makes so much sense yeah when you think about it so. and a few games where i've gotten to the final boss and the final boss just ramps up in difficulty massively and you're like this is just pointless and a game like kingdom hearts 3 i wasn't able to turn <laughs> down the difficulty on the final <laughs> yeah, boss so did sucks. i see the end of that game no did i watch it on youtube yes it's like yeah. it's just stupid you know it's like this is completely pointless why you wouldn't have like an easier difficulty in there so i'm all in favor of accessibility and widening options um, at the same time I'm, I'm i am in favor of uh, developers saying you know this is our vanilla option this is yeah. kind of how we prefer to play the game totally. but we want it as accessible to everyone else for those who want more of a challenge or less mm -hmm. of a challenge or just want to skip this point altogether i think that's hugely important and i, I even in the game that is a roguelike like a hades or say the spire it really doesn't actually matter if you are if you die in hades and rewind that is just, you should have the right to experience the game on that level and if you're one of these people who's just saying that's not how roguelikes work you're meant to die i'm going to start again it's like no you're missing the point of how, like everyone enjoys games in different ways like yeah. in the same way people read books some people read books much faster than other people i know that there's fewer ways you can read the book compared to the number of ways you can play a game sure yeah but, but i think it's important that everyone can enjoy a medium or a media in in the way they want to and i think it's hugely important that we don't just associate safe states and rewind features with like classic games and, and ports and things that would be great to see just more modern games embrace it more and like you said god mode and celeste mode i forgot the name already 
just accessibility stuff basically right so so that's the thing the nice thing about that is also like the developers have a note that says like look this is the way that we think the game is best experienced if you if you don't find that that's um something that you can do then just go ahead and and use these but this is kind of this is how we intended it to be just because the themes and the story of that game are a lot about overcoming challenge and so it kind of works with the difficulty in that way but like frankly if you are not able to do it and you can't enjoy the game because of it then you know why not have the option and so that makes total sense i i was that with god mode added to hades later no it was there from launch it was there straight away i definitely remember a few people on podcasts just and they basically just bounced off the game because they're like it's just too hard for me and they just bounced off i don't believe they tried god mode and maybe they could have but i i certainly remember initially like they were just like this game is too hard i just i've gotten to this point so many times and yeah. you know i've i've stopped now and and you know that's a shame like i don't think any game should have give people that feeling especially as you said narrative driven games i think hades has some really important plot points and i like the game the way that that game kind of ends and if you do defeat uh hades like 10 times as an, an extra kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of main ending and i love all that and i think everyone should have the right and the ability to access that and the game like you said with god mode is a great way of being able to see that stuff so yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little shame with Eastwood, I would say, um, because I've been chatting with people about that on the Inter-Aether Discord, and there are a few people there who are like, oh, I'm just getting my ass kicked by these bosses, and I don't have enough food, I haven't cooked enough, and I don't have enough resources with salt and stuff like that, and and that sucks, man, because that game is super story-driven, and yeah. people want to get through it and see the end, but like having stuff like that as a roadblock and a barrier is a real annoyance um, yeah. and and it would be nice that if every game had the ability to like bypass that stuff even with like just lowering the difficulty mid game there are still games to this day and i don't understand it that l- oh, lock you into a difficulty Hearts three and, and don't let you change it mid game it just is wild to me that that's still a thing that developers do um i i just don't understand it because i think you you need to give people the most options possible um and and yeah even if that's not something that you personally want to do it doesn't matter because you don't have to do exactly, it yeah. same That's thing with like dark point, souls like, and difficulty and bloodborne yeah. and all these games and people gamers get mad of like you cheated yourself and it's like no that is that's not what this is about it's about just like having people so do those do the from software games have difficulty levels no they have no difficulty level they have no way to change anything about them um and yeah even stuff like pausing and i'm interested and i take it elden ring will be the same i assume so yeah i guess they probably like, will it's just Honestly, in 2021, again, I guess that game's 2022, but it's just not acceptable. And I really hope that that game can re-energize this stupid debate. It shouldn't be a debate. But just like, everyone should be able to access Elden Ring and see all the bosses and see all the story beats in that game if they want to. You know, like, it's just ridiculous that um, a company as big as From Software can get away with that stuff. And it's just, it's stupid. And yeah, yeah. it is a a pain. but you know i think generally like things are moving forward in that space i think it gets maybe a little harder with online games stuff like destiny or like you know gears of war or halo or whatever right if you're playing with friends it's like you can't really have a rewind function when you're in an online game that doesn't make a lot of sense but if it is something that is cooperative maybe there's a way you can make it work i don't know how you would do that but um but yeah i i do think that there, there should be ways to figure this stuff out and um yeah, I uh I I just I I appreciate that it's becoming more of a topic and and not just on the a fact of like people being able to um change aspects because of uh difficulty but also of like ex- other accessibility stuff of just like changing mm. button layouts and and all yeah. these type of things, right? The, like the hard cool. version of the game 
that everyone is obsessed with not everyone many people are obsessed with playing is not going anywhere like that yes. will always exist i think it's like you're taking away other people's like decision on wanting to play a game in a way when the thing nothing is affecting the way that you want to play it or you know like yeah. and it's exactly. a really unhealthy discourse on the internet and yeah hopefully yeah. it will change um <laughs> yeah and yeah we've not really mentioned yeah. what nintendo like in this area yeah pretty bad i would say in terms of stuff like button remapping and those types of things i think generally nintendo for wider accessibility are not great um i, I do like that obviously their uh, online stuff like the n64 thing and the genesis will obviously have rewinds and save states which is a great thing um but in their modern games i yeah i think they they do certain things like it's not like the assist mode in odyssey where like an, a, a, a friend or a parent or someone can help Ah, right. right there's also like the arrows on the ground stuff which i remember Vinny mentioning on on giant bomb back in the day with like his kids had the arrows pointed to where the next moon was and that type of thing which is is cool like that's some good stuff but then there are other areas where they just they don't nail it in the same way and um yeah i i would like to see this sort of stuff implemented um a bit more you know and, and not just of like in 20 years we go back to breath of the wild and you could rewind it because you know that it's an old game at that point but just in modern games right just doing what forza does or at least at least trying to implement something of of um what these other games do of just letting you do it straight out the box like day one here's the next mainline uh metroid game you can rewind if you want right like and i think that would help a lot of people you know people are struggling with some of the bosses in dread right now and you know i think it would um ease a lot of their annoyances if they were able to just do a bit of a rewind in the fight you know like it's not that different from me going back and playing Mega Man 2 and being like ah fucked up there fell off a cliff don't want to start again let's just rewind and get back there you know it just makes it it just wastes less time and especially that was much more the case with older game design like castlevania game you get to the end of the level you die oh gotta start at the beginning of the level again and if i can just rewind and get back on that platform i slipped off of great i don't have to waste my time going back through <laughs> it and playing the whole level and again, quote unquote yeah. learning it to get good which i just don't th- like time is precious these days in, in some ways more so that's than... why game that's why so many games are free you're like yeah you know, right getting people's time is almost more important in many ways than getting their money like you need yeah. their time before you can get their money and exactly i think yeah. turning people turning anyone off of games because they they're inaccessible for and difficulty is one of those parts is just madness it's crazy yeah. it's stupid so of course so yeah uh thanks for the question timeless game that was a really yeah. interesting one really good one yeah and it's, it's just something we've not touched on before really but it's, it's a yeah. big big issue in the industry so yeah thank you so much for that question and thank you to everyone who's written in and yeah as i've said at the top of the segment we've got uh lots to pick from for next time so thank you everyone for writing in um if you would like to email into the show please email this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com uh we read through everything we really appreciate all the comments the questions you all send into us um so thank you but i guess that's all we've got time for in the second segment join us after the break where we're going to be talking about sora getting revealed yeah Sm- i can't believe i'm saying it for smash brothers <laughs> ultimate so we will be right back Here again. 
All right, everyone, welcome back to the third and final part of today's show. It's a big one, Bally. It's the end. The end of an era. The end of the train. Finally, the hype has died. It has all come to a close. The final character in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is here. The internet actually seems to be happy. And maybe they are. Maybe they are very happy. Um, Some of them are definitely super, super excited. Uh, Some of them are less so. Uh, but the final character has been revealed. It is, of course, uh, Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Um, the long-requested, uh, long-wanted character, revealed by Sakurai as being the number one most requested character if we were to go worldwide totals in terms of the poll that they did all the way back in the day on the 3DS and Wii U era. Um, that was the poll that gave us Bayonetta, of course. As, uh, was that in 2016? Must have been around that time, maybe slightly before that, I think. I think what's super interesting about that is that that's obviously at a time before we had all of these other Ultimate characters. So, like, he is the most popular out of everyone that that wasn't in Smash Brothers at that point in time, which I think is pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy, yeah, for sure. And um, and it is a... It's a wild one in a lot of different ways. I guess, first of all, Bally, how do you feel? How how do you feel as this being the last character in Smash Brothers? Well, it's, I love it. I think as a Disney fan, it's one of those things where like when you think about Disney and and, like Disney are basically like they kind of, they're making money out of people's dreams is what I want to say. They're like, they turn the idea of believing and dreams and magic and they turn it into like this commercial monetized thing to make money. And what I mean by that is that those are the themes that have I, you could even associate with a lot of the Kingdom Hearts fandom where they're like, every time a reveal happened, they're just like, you've just got to believe. You've just got to, you've just got to believe. You've just got to dream. You've just got to, the magic will happen. They, it's almost like a lot of the fans are using a lot of this Disney language. To, and like, there's something so strange about the idea of believing and Disney and then for this character to actually be sore and for it to actually happen and people's dreams to be made. You know, like it, there's... I don't know what is it metaphorical what's the word i'm looking for the way he just like magically floats over everybody in the trailer is that almost like disney ride-esque of like going through a thing and like seeing this character like peter pan almost it's very peter pan in the way that he flew they basically turn him into like flying jesus in the reveal like it's, yeah it's like this everyone's looking at him like sora has come to like there's what's the word i'm looking for when you merge like ideas to reality like yeah i know what you mean i I don't know the i don't know the exact word but it's that kind of thing that like you can imagine when square are in that boardroom with disney and uh, they're probably like internalizing you know the the, this mantra as well they're like we can get sore of the line believe dream you know we we can we can get there we can we can make this deal we can actually get sore into this game and there's just something weird about it to the point of which what if all of this like metaphor behind sora was half the reason that disney were up for it where they're like believe dream magic these are the three core tenets of disney the, the disney company that we want <laughs> these are our cultural values here at disney <laughs> these are our cultural values we want we want to espouse and we have done our research into the kingdom hearts fandom and realized that they keep <laughs> using these three words and we are going to make all their dreams come true and part of this agreement has sora coming in like peter pan man i, I would love to see a document uh I would love to see a document internally at Disney on research into the Kingdom Hearts fandom. That would be fascinating. 
there's just something weird and incredible about it all that i'm trying to get across that is just like yes it didn't seem possible the idea of disney is disney's like achieving the unachievable and then it was this thing was achieved it just feels so weird and fourth wall breaking in such a weird way that i just i've never felt anything like it it was just so strange and as someone who did enjoy kingdom hearts 3 i i think it is great to have sora there despite the fact that you were dunking on it uh prominently last segment on the show <laughs> you did enjoy it i was dunking on it and i do have a lot of issues with that game and it's a shame that there isn't more disney representation in this character but what are you talking about there's that. a whole mickey mouse thing there there's an right. emblem of his face but uh, it's it's weird it's just and i think it, it's great generally i think it's a quite a cool character to finish on yeah i mean you know as everybody predicted another anime sword boy of course like that's the way smash brothers rolls it's just another one of those um for me i'm just like i'm happy that people are happy uh i have no interest in kingdom hearts i frankly think i haven't played them but uh, it's another one of those cases where i know i don't need to play it because i know i will be annoyed um i watched ben pack try and play it on giant bomb a few years ago and the way that he was frustrated with the controls and the combat and all of it like as much as the disney skin is nice and everything they just don't seem like they've aged very well at least those original games um and from the sounds of it doesn't sound like kingdom hearts 3 is that much better in terms of it's got some rough spots for sure yeah um, but yeah. the highs are very high well I'll, for sure I'll and, you know, I, I think it's a nostalgic thing thing for so many people who grew up with the series and grew yeah. up with the disney crossover and final fantasy it's been 20 years or something right it's been yeah a long it's time. been a long time yeah it's, it's really an old franchise at this point and um and yeah to be frank like all of my dream picks everyone i wanted in smash brothers i mean there's you know i would love to see kazuma kiryu in there or ii from monkey ball or professor layton or phoenix right like there's endless characters that you would always want to see in there but from what they've given us i pretty much got everything i wanted and like way more than i did so in that case i was like happy with whatever and so you know um great it's cool because sora's there it's a pretty significant um uh, addition to the roster and uh yeah i'm interested to play him and, and find out how he plays and obviously sakurai went through the whole move set and what i will say is like animation wise wow they nailed it like the goofy jump that he does with his legs like almost spread apart like just the way that he moves is like nails the animation from kingdom Mm. hearts one it's like on point which is um is really just it shows how much care and dedication this man and his team have to representing these franchises as best as they possibly can within this game it is like so loving and well crafted and beautifully done and um yeah i cannot give them praise enough for it um i i'm just still kind of wowed by the fact that it was possible to happen i think the thing that stuns me most about this is that the lawyers actually came to an agreement right like you think about how disney are with their ip you think about how nintendo are with their ip and then you've got square enix in the middle right it's almost like two parents trying to divorce with this child and like square enix is kind of stuck in the middle of these two parents they're like okay well you can only have him on the weekends but from three till five and this and that and like okay but uh, you can't have you can't give him ice cream and you can't go over to the park on his own and like that's what it feels like nintendo and disney were doing is like these two parents with square enix in the middle of just trying to figure out what will sora do like how will we get him in the game can we have mickey mouse as an emblem yes but only if this happens you can't have donald and goofy's faces in there you can't have them come as a part of the final smash like there it felt like there had to be so many compromises and that's the same with like the music as well i tweeted because i got confused by someone on twitter thinking that um 
Simple and Clean was in the game. Turns out it's not in the game, uh, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, it was a remix of Simple and Clean for the reveal. I yeah, believe. for the reveal trailer. Yes. Um, and obviously, like, that that ties into, like, music rights with that entire thing. So that's mm. a, a totally different licensing issue with that entirely. Um, but yeah, the just the fucking legal, logistical loopholes and, and jumps that they had to make in order to make this happen. Sakurai, like, hints at it in the video of, like, definitely we worked on this one that certainly was the thing we had to do uh is kind of astonishing to me i i that's probably the thing that blows me away about it more than just the character being in the game is like disney and nintendo got to agree on this and make it happen yeah which I, is wild i want to throw one more thing into that disney nintendo relationship which is in, which is truly truly wild and that's to remember that nintendo are rolling their tanks right onto disney's lawn in two areas in films and in theme parks uh, yeah and true. disney and, and sorry nintendo have completely done their deals with universal i think universal have some relationship with illumination because the, the minions rides are uh, also with, it's in in universal i don't that know if they own sense. them or if it's just a, a theme park deal right but those companies are quite close and nintendo has sided with them for both illumination and those are like direct disney competitors right exactly so. and so i think knowing that uh, nintendo are moving to theme parks or at least areas of theme parks and i know that they, they just agreed that pokemon deal which like who knows what that's going to be um on top of the fact that there's a mario film coming out next year that has nothing to do with disney and then for disney to still be up for this character that they're so closely tied to to be in a nintendo game is at this point in time is truly ridiculous like it's absolutely mad yeah, and it's it's also like when you think about stuff like Wreck It Ralph, when Nintendo didn't want to have Mario in that movie, but they did. I think Bowser has a cameo in Wreck It in the Wreck It yeah, Ralph I films. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but, um, but there's no Mario uh, in that, which I think maybe Disney would have liked to do that if they could possibly, but they probably weren't able because Nintendo, as we know, are also very like these two companies. We talk about them all the time because they are quite similar in terms of yes. their approach and their like identity in the wider kind of audience yeah. space, right? Like they are. They have are and probably will always be the, the kind of companies that are for children, but also for adults, right? Like primarily mm-hmm. like for a young audience, but also that young audience grows up with these properties and then they continue to love them for the rest of their lives, right? Yeah. It, it, it is yeah. a philosophical similarity, which maybe in some way means that they were able to work this out easily just because the companies um, you know, think similarly. But there's also the East and Western divide, which is like Nintendo's a Japanese company and, and Disney is an American company. And, and that's a whole separate issue. So... Yeah, I I I think it's just amazing that it happened. Frankly, like that—that's <laughs> the crazy thing. Um, yeah, <sighs> I've nuts, man. Speechless. I, and yeah, so that stage that is in the game that is from Hollow Kingdom Bastion Hearts, in yeah. the level in, in the level in the game and the game Kingdom Hearts, I should say, Dis- uh, Disney, Goofy, and Donald are on that stage, like they're stained glass windows, and those clearly aren't in the stage yes, in smash they've Brothers. replaced them in, yeah. in smash Brothers, um, yeah but i i will say i i do love the look of like Sora as a character but also that stage and the stained glass windows in and all that art that's associated with kingdom hearts i think just looks absolutely fantastic and the fact that they've based a stage around that i think actually looks really cool like i think all that stuff is looking great 
couldn't be happier do they do that any of that stuff in three because that's the way you open kingdom hearts one it's the tutorial area you're kind of dropped into the stained glass area and that's how you kind of start out the game um i'm trying to remember i'm sure i saw it somewhere in three i just can't remember where it, okay the story of that game just is one gray mess in my mind <laughs> i've no I'm not clue surprised. like how anything links to anything oh it's nonsense and i've watched like explainers and it doesn't do deadly squat in my head as to like what's going Absolutely. on oh, it's, it's hilarious because there are all the kingdom hearts fans now talking about how tetsuya nomura who is the guy who's kind of behind all the kingdom hearts how he's going to figure out a way to implement sora's inclusion in smash brothers into the wider kingdom Hearts story just because like that man is a is a wild crazy person who will it's not hard when your stories are as wild as those ones you know it's yes. like just shoehorn any old thing in right it's true it's true but like i just love the idea that like he will find a way to make this happen no matter what that like he will legitimately link sora going to smash brothers into the lore of kingdom hearts in a way and i think that's fucking hilarious it's just absurd um but yeah it's it's pretty crazy so yeah i'm i'm excited to check him out it's coming out october 18th so pretty soon um we need to i think we need to do another smash brothers tournament or something and just like play a bit more oh definitely i need i need my butt kicked i don't think you've even played as kazuya yet have you and don't smash think so. brothers no, yeah no. so um yeah i want to jump back in and uh just play some more smash uh we should just do a like regular thing of playing smash brothers because it's been a long time since we've uh just been regularly playing smash and uh it's obviously there's loads of games out so it's always hard to pick stuff up but um yeah i want to get back in the lab train train some more and remember uh all my favorite characters i will also um, say they've clearly made sora a lot more vanilla and easy to pick up versus like other dlc characters and they clearly just want sora to appeal to a wider audience yeah he doesn't have as many weird gimmicks to him uh, uh there's there's one thing that is slightly different not different but like the the most complex he gets is his spells which is the rotation between his regular they just rotate thunder light his yeah. neutral b which is just like fire thunder ice and if you like keep tapping it then it'll keep the same one but if you stop for a while then it'll switch to the next one next time um and i think that's good for variation it just means he has a lot more flexibility in his move set um and i think that works it seems like he has a lot of movement options of like this drill that homes in but also he can go down then up then jump then do his side b to get back like a lot of recovery that he has um but obviously he's a very light character as he showed um when comparing his weight to like was it pikachu or something or pichu where he was like lighter than even pichu or something ridiculous so yeah definitely um a character that you can launch off the stage pretty easily um so yeah i am really interested in checking him out don't know if he'll come into my, my rotation um i'm interested about just overall looking at the dlc and looking at smash brothers and what they've done with it post-launch how do you feel about it overall uh have there been characters that you have really loved what what really speaks to you from everything that they have kind of put out um and did it meet your expectations yeah i mean i have my sort of niche list as it were with characters like andy from advance wars perhaps and stuff like that but i think everyone's got their own niche list and when you actually think about what is in this game I don't think anything's going to be surpassed, like, potentially in my lifetime in terms of, like, number of games and deals into into a single... Characters and deals going into, like, a single game. It's the greatest crossover of all time. It's just incredible. It's never going to be beaten, honestly. Like, it's, it's so unbelievable what has been achieved with this game over the last three years. And over the last three years have been building on a series that has gotten larger and more impressive 
sometimes with a, a half step backwards perhaps with some of those sure, games, yes. it, it's just what sakurai has achieved with this game and the crossovers the fandom the most popular fighting game of all time is a, a big like title to wear and it can be very proud of that title because as someone who isn't that into fighting games absolutely love it as a nintendo fan obviously and it's never going to happen again to the same scale and I think we're just very lucky to have experienced it. And the roster is unbelievable. Sora was a great character to end on. And I I honestly couldn't be happier. I think it's just the most phenomenal game in that sense. It's it's pretty special. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible stuff. Um, do you have a character from the DLC that gravitates to, uh, you're gravitated towards the most that you've enjoyed playing the most from the new fighters? Um, God, I'm, I'm really bad for not being that into most of the DLC characters from like an actual <laughs> picking up and fighting as them. Uh, yeah. From what I've played, I kind of like Sephiroth, actually. Yeah, Sephiroth's um, really good. Yeah, and... I'm trying to think who's another DLC character I've played much of. Um, really not much at all. I mean, out of the kind of new characters, I do really love what they did with stuff like Ridley and stuff. And that was obviously its own controversy. Is Ridley too big and all that? And I love uh-huh. that. Like the two big talking points for this game before those characters was almost, honestly felt like, is Ridley too big? And Sora will never be in Smash Brothers felt like two of the biggest talking points for this game i know there's a lot of chat about like master chief and maybe crash bandicoot but yeah i mean before it was even revealed the question was like will they bring over like cloud and stuff because that was dlc and like would they relicense him and, and those types of things because that was that was a downloadable character for the uh, wii u game right? Um, right and same with like bayonetta and stuff it's like well will they and then they announced everyone is here which means every single fucking character from the wii u game that was, that was a real moment that was like as a, like a video game moment as a e3 re- i think it was an e3 reveal like it was a- yeah that was such a like oh my god they're actually kind of doing it and then it just kind of got more impressive to a degree after that right like it was yeah it's, and it's they obviously even before the dlc as you mentioned they added ridley king k rule like some really cool characters um and and that was something that i thought was uh was awesome that they did and for me i've really liked a lot of the dlc characters i love joker i think joker is incredibly fun to play as he's super fast and quick and fits my playstyle really well i think hero has like that chaotic element to him that is just like i haven't really got my handle on it but he's just like insane um i would love to get better at banjo i I think banjo and kazooie is probably one that maybe you would gravitate towards a bit more and maybe learn um Mm. yeah yeah i do like banjo I'm, I was so surprised by how much I love Terry Bogard. Terry Bogard is such a fun character. Of all the fighting game characters in the game now, which there are quite a few, um, he is definitely my favorite, and he has such a cool like uh, array of moves, and some of the fighting game stuff that you can implement with him is really cool. Like Some of his final moves that you can do once you've wrapped that meter up are super powerful and incredibly satisfying to pull off, and not super hard to either. Um, but I think for me, my favorite is Pirate and Mithra. They are incredible fun like so so good and switching between them the amount of moves they have the speed of mithra and the power of pyra together is just such a brutal combination that i probably would say that they're almost my new mains after lucina like that they are really really high up they've become like my go-to characters if i'm going to play online against somebody is like all right let's open with mithra get in some quick hits switch to pyra get a massive um smash attack off like they are 
really well designed and i know a lot of people were like oh it's more anime and it's more uh, nintendo and not an actual third party which is what everyone wanted um and i was kind of not necessarily on that train but i was like okay cool yeah i love xenoblade and i'm glad there's a bit more representation here but like on a fundamental character playing level they are my favorite and i think they are so so cool um so yeah i i've been really satisfied with the dlc overall i would say like min min i didn't love from a gameplay perspective and steve Mm. as well i think both of those were play play wise super fucking interesting steve especially is just like wild in his implementation um but like almost impossible for me to get my head around as a character to actually play as um which is a shame but like really really cool that that happened uh absolutely bizarre to see a minecraft style character in smash brothers it's one of the only situations where they didn't really adapt the art style of smash brothers to the character because that's the other thing i think they do really well is like they maintain the core and the identity of these characters while still giving them the kind of look of smash brothers over the top Mm. and for minecraft it's pretty hard to do that right like they're basically just what they look like in minecraft so yeah um which is a bit of a shame but you know what can you do you can't really do much about that it's just kind of how it is so yeah uh yeah i guess we talked a little bit about it in the previous section but um how do you feel about the future of smash brothers and and what will happen after this is are you kind of of the opinion that they should do a full reboot and they should go back to the drawing board on all the basic characters and their new sets i definitely think they should i but i'm perfectly happy for them to wait a very long time before that happens you know like i think just let this game marinate i think it deserves a 4k upgrade whether that's like i said in the last segment on the next switch or whether the switch Mm -hmm. gets a 4k model whatever the case is i think it 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 deserves a deluxe version and um i think that will be smash brothers for the next seven to eight years potentially (laughs) as long as that i don't know we'll see yeah uh i i would love them to do a full reboot at some point obviously i do think it's quite a ways off but like just rethink mario's moveset with like modern games in mind like have his cat his cap throw with cappy in there like stuff like that you know just just update it and for some of these characters you know stuff like falcon and ganondorf just being the same is a relic really of Mm. when those characters were introduced all the way back in the day when they kind of just didn't have much time and they kind of had to just make clones of these characters the the original game i think was going to be the um it was just a fighting game and it was it was later that they port they they introduced nintendo characters into it it's going to be like a non-nintendo fighting game and then so characters like captain falcon were almost identical to the original like wired mesh character and then right but also like they didn't you didn't really have anything to draw on from captain falcon because he is a racing game right so the characters of that game don't really have any stuff they do uh there's like the comic i don't know when that came out yeah but that's true the manga i'm not sure what what happened with, with that stuff but um yeah he a lot of captain falcon's identity frankly is from the smash brothers series um so and and the other thing is like even since then a lot of f-zero's identity is from captain falcon in the smash brothers that's true it's very true like i I don't know what you would do with him but like ganondorf especially is a character who like he deserves better than just being kind of like captain falcon right like i think you need a full he got his sword added but that was about it 
Like, that was about it. And I think yeah. he would do really well to have a complete reboot of his entire moveset. Same with Samus, frankly. Samus is still based on Super Metroid, really. And, you know, even with Dread coming out now, there are, and Fusion, like, there are so many ways in which you can adapt and change her and make her more, like, agile like she is in, in these games and, and differentiate her as a character. And, and, yeah, you can go on and on, the list down the line. Like, they did that a little bit with Link, with Breath of the Wild Link, but that was... It feels, in the grand scheme of things, slightly minor changes with the remote bombs and, and those um, ideas. But there there yeah. are ways, I think, in which you can really re-examine the base roster of the game and do some wild stuff with it. And just maybe even rethink the entire convention of Smash Brothers. Like, how, how can you change it in a meaningful way that um, that evolves it, but also keeps the core uh, of what it is? Yeah. You know, do do a Breath of the Wild on, on Smash Brothers and see what happens. I'm, I'd be really fascinated to see what they could do if that was the case. And even if you go back to 10 to 20 characters like that would be totally fine as long as like those characters are completely rebuilt differently from the ground up i think it'd be fascinating and you know give sakurai a break let him let yeah the, let the guy retire like i think he can be so happy with like what he's achieved and they need to move on from him yeah. or let him work on something else if they really if he really wants to you know? make like, another kid icarus game go yeah. on sakurai get in there um yeah i'd be really interested to see what he does because like technically he doesn't work for nintendo he has his own company which isn't owned by nintendo namco bandai makes his company called sora or something it is called sora limited yeah that's the mm-hmm. name of his company which i believe he's so... like the only employee of sora limited because <laughs> he just works with namco bandai i think that's the okay. case he must have a few people on board like the people who laugh in the background of his videos when he's doing the the, the <laughs> tutorials or whatever family. he does yeah exactly his family yeah um so so i think that he frankly he could go and make a playstation game right like he has the liberty to do that and i don't know if he will um i I wonder if he just has a contractual or like a maybe a thing that he just always will make nintendo games but i'm interested to see what that guy does Just make something really small and bizarre that would be yes perfect you know absolutely do like what kojima did and make boktai like make something weird um (laughs) that uh, is totally small and different and like release it on the eShop for like five quid or whatever you know i'd, I'd be fascinated by that but i think he's he's gonna work want to work on something else he, he strikes me as someone who like has a has a maybe a bit too much of a work ethic problem um especially of like the stories <laughs> that you hear about him like having yeah. to have yeah. uh, ivs in him while he's working and stuff like that oh my God. i hope he is able, able to take a proper break though because um man that man has oh he's done a lot done a lot and um yeah, you can sense it. You can sense he's such a fan of video games in the industry. It's so clear in the way that he presents all this stuff. And, you know, back when they were doing the videos in his house and you could see all his consoles lined up there with his, like, two TVs. It was like, yeah, Sakurai is a gamer. Like, he, he loves it. He's on his uh, tread, treadmill playing everything new coming out. Like, he uh, he's in there in the trenches with all of us. So um, I salute you, Sakurai and the team, and Namco Bandai for making this just incredible, uh, you know, roster just amazing stuff um that i've loved playing and will continue to love playing for uh, years to come so amazing stuff sora finally in smash brothers what a thing what a day and uh i'm sure we'll talk about it next time because uh, he'll be out by then and we'll have had a chance to uh mess around with him and play so yeah more more on that to come but bali i think that brings us to the end of the show um we have some stuff uh, to plug and and things to talk about before we get on out of here um let's begin with our patreon you can go over to patreon.com slash this nintendo life and support us there to get some uh, bonus episodes bonus things um and yeah we have a new patron to thank valley 
Yes, thank you so much to our new patron, who is Joe. So thank you for your new patronage. And also thank you to all of our $10 tier patrons. They are Zach S, Atari Alex, Thomas, Matthew, and my wife, Caroline. Thank you all for your $10 tier support. And uh, yeah, as MBZ mentioned, um, we actually do a show that comes out every it comes out the day after every single main show it's a little show called bonus bits and we've got a bonus bit coming out if you listen on the day that's coming out it's coming out tomorrow on tuesday the 12th of october i'm going to talk about ign's list of best games of all time where they did a like head-to-head tournament right and so yeah it was a twitter bracket basically where they got people to vote on different games and uh a lot of uh, thoughts and opinions uh, definitely in my work slack there were a bunch of people being like what the fuck what are these people all these children voting on this thing uh that was definitely yeah, funny yeah. so yeah we'll we'll yeah. chat about that and that'll be a good time. definitely um yeah um yes uh, obviously uh you can find us in lots of places all across the internet uh you can find us on spotify itunes uh, apple Podcasts, wherever it's called these days any podcasting app you can just search for this nintendo life download us uh, listen to us you can also find us on youtube youtube.com slash this nintendo life where there's a video version which is mainly just uh, an image uh, with our voices coming but if you want to listen to it in a different tab then that is there for you as well uh, we also have our discord uh, which you can head on over to and there's a link to that in the description and uh, i recently did a bit of a revamp on it in terms of our game specific discord stuff so i've put in kind of categories for all the big nintendo franchises that i think people will want to chat about mainly motivated by the fact that metroid red came out and i wanted to talk about it with everybody in a specific place and get very um, nerdy about it so people been great with the spoiler tag so far really impressive yes. so keep it yep. up absolutely so yeah you can head on over there and, and if you want to talk about metroid dread or uh, any other stuff a lot of fire emblem rankings going on at the moment in, in that <laughs> chat so uh yeah head on over and uh, can't have a fire emblem chat without a fire emblem ranking going on of Come course on. yeah no everyone has to get their opinions that shadow dragon is the worst game out to everybody which uh i think is universal i'm pretty sure that is uh everyone's opinion um yeah so so head on over there and check that out um obviously you can find us on the internet uh we're on twitter uh hellscape of a website from which we cannot escape you can find me at lord nbz where can they find you bally i'm on twitter at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 just been sharing videos of countering emmys it's great it's great i love it mm-hmm. it's so cool yeah, feels good when you do it, man. Uh, it's rare, but when you it's nail hard. it, it's, uh, it's great stuff. Uh, you can find the podcast Twitter at TNL Podcast. Uh, that is where you'll get updates and stuff, and also uh, sometimes random polls and things of that nature, and uh, asking people what they've been playing on the weekend, those types of things. So uh, go check it out, follow us there, and uh, get notified when episodes go live, uh, which you can also do if you subscribe to us on any podcasting platforms, which is the best thing to do. Uh, also, you can also review us on those places. Uh, that's really helpful, and thanks to people who recently did review us, as we mentioned last time on the show. But if you would like to do that, we'll uh, we'll read it out. So uh, go ahead and check that stuff out. Um, but that, I believe, is going to do it, Bally. Um, great video games. Too many good ones happening right now. Really you're good cur- ones. You're currently playing in the middle of probably my two favorite games of the year right now, which is a great place <laughs> to be. Um, I'm really looking forward to Game of the Year discussions. I know we're a few months off still, but I think it's going to be quite a good one this year. Like, this year's kind of just ticked up in it's a way really that... ramped up in the second half is what yeah, i'll say because i look at the first half of the year and i'm like i was playing a lot of older stuff and not as much new stuff and then you hit like july and everything after that is just like september was i think i beat nine games in september i went ham in september and uh some of them are just some of the best things i played this year um, a lot of them are so mm. it's going to be really hard for me to figure out a top 10 it's yeah. going to be brutal um but i'm looking forward to chatting about I it i think our non-tender top five could also be pretty 
spicy. Like I think yeah, it could be. There's a lot of good stuff. Loads of good stuff. So yeah, look forward to that. It's obviously coming down the line. But uh, yeah, hope everybody is enjoying Metroid if you haven't finished it already. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time to talk about more Nintendo, more video games, and more fun things. Until then, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye bye, folks. interludes used on today's show were Chozo Warrior from Metroid Dread copyright Nintendo 2021 and Simple and Clean copyright Utada Hikaru also probably Square Enix who the fuck knows licensing I I, I have no idea anyway it's 2002 Uh, Kingdom Hearts is a mess it's a mess